Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault and news cycle of people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I, I did I did something at Freethink. I've done it at least once, and I think it was pretty good. Is, is anyone at Freethink now that you work there? Was he past tensing? They, they better past tensing. They better know. They better know. Um, I am I am so happy to be here today, and I'm delighted to be joined by some remarkable, remarkable humans. Uh, Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine, is in the building. Pink um, bubbles. Michael Moynihan. Like a man. Yeah, we're all Vice together. News, also in the building. And in the we are building. Genuinely in the building. Genuinely in the building. In New yeah. York City. In New York together. City. Is this, the, is this the first time in a while? It's I don't, been a while. I don't know how long. Yeah, when was the last time? I think it was. It must have been the Megyn Kelly related show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Which we did again this week. Um, we did. We and did. we're doing it in person because um, I think she just wants to be close to me. Physically. Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah. at this but, point, I mean, it yes. has to yeah. be very clear. It has yes. to be very clear that, I mean, she always, when she talks about the podcast, she always mentions me with like the most gusto. You know, she was Not accused of racism. Sometimes, sometimes first and last. Which Does she call you Santa Claus? <laughs> Perfect. Um, and um, she also, she also. She also listens to this podcast, Matt. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That's right. Snip, 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 snip. Yeah, that's right. What what Camille didn't do to his son's penis, he's going to do to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Snippety, snippety, snippety. There you go. That's right. Um, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be together. Again. It is. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like much time has passed. Though. It does not. Yeah. No. We, we end good. up talking to each other a lot for people who actually don't communicate with each other. This is true. We do. Yeah. We talk a lot. And we, yeah. we spent some time talking to each other this week. I think. Particularly now that your favorite podcast is going to be on Substack. That's true. Um, we are moving to Substack and very you, soon. You just, uh, th- there will be things happening over there. We did the Patreon and mentioned it like six times. And there was like, I'll never forget that one guy. I was like, oh, could you stop mentioning the Patreon? I'm like, what the fuck? You want free shit? And then we do something that you don't even have to, you don't have to pay for it. You still get the free stuff and you complain about it. But this one, you, that guy, if you still exist, if you're not dead yet. Yeah. Um, he's still there. He's still there. <laughs> we're going to be mentioning this one a lot more because we got, uh, we got a totally different thing coming. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not only are we recording together, we're in in New York. We're at the Paloma Studio slash Nancy Rahman compound situation, and there is a party. There's a party yeah. going on right now. Yeah. yeah, like very close, and you can actually probably hear the hum of that Possibly. rabble out yeah. there. And there are all sorts of interesting people there. I won't quite say fancy people. Though. I'm sure there are some fancy people that are. In amongst, <laughs> you know, there's, there's in amongst the world. <laughs> what, I, what I appreciated was just Maybe. before we came in here, it was uh, Joanna saying, no, we figured it out, Michael. We're going to do the European wives part first. What? And yeah. Like, like we've, yeah. we've agreed yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, uh, and I was like, I was like, but you don't have to do what she says anymore. No, right? no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. That was the whole point. Right. We are going to do, I was like, I'm sorry. We've decided on what now? We have not decided on anything. Yeah. I, I was told by, I'm cutting I, your allowance. <laughs> I was told by someone who, was an attendee at the party that sometimes when she was first getting into the podcast that she would listen uh-huh. and there'd be a lot of like inside baseball so matt mentions joanna yeah and i suggest to someone you mm-hmm. can't see us so you don't know you yeah. don't have to do what she says anymore directed yeah. at moynihan this is moynihan's that's right. wife see yes. how yeah. that works that's right now you get the joke now you, you get the joke laughing at yeah it. and many yeah. other people were laughing at yeah. thousands of people who listen to this fine podcast um but i suspect we'll be dragging some of those people into the room 
at we're going to try. We're going to try throughout the evening. Yeah. We'll see how that works. There I have is. a little text button here ready to go with okay. uh, with a, yeah. a fairy. Sand Fairy Ann. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just for a few minutes here and there, we got some good people out there. Um, okay. And, uh, yes, and, 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 my, and my my ex is uh, in the other room. We do uh, hmm. like each other. We do talk. Right. And but if my you daughter, do have any issues, daughter, I can help you work through yeah. them here. Let's do that live. Tonight. On the, my, on the free pod. My daughter <laughs> said to me about somebody that she knew. She's like, yeah. you know, they're... they're parents have gotten divorced recently uh-huh. yeah and just like you know the other one they uh has a girlfriend already it's like oh really yeah and the other one's pregnant whoa and mom's and i was like wow and she's like yeah they hate each other and i was like <laughs> wow and she's like yeah yeah and i was like you know your mother and i like each other she's like yeah no i know she's like they hate each other and she was like and i was like you're not lording this over people are you because this is no picnic for me i'm not enjoying this we're doing this for your sake (laughs) i make the joke people i only kid um Um, what are we talking about today but but there are plenty of things we could talk about um this week the president of the former president of the united states wow two presidents still your president obviously forever and ever (laughs) He's the only president who matters. The only one who really made history. God damn it. He was the second black president. Barack, Barack Hussein after Obama. Bill yes, Clinton. after Bill Clinton. The real, the realest president of the United States. Barack um, Obama. Uh, Barack, Barack Hussein Obama. The emphasis on the Hussein for obvious reasons. Um, he gave a speech at Stanford on disinformation and misinformation, which has yeah. apparently become his raison d'etre. This is what he That's is focusing one. his attention on yeah. right now. He, he knows that America's future the future of democracy depends on the ability of tech companies in partnership with government, all of us working together, perhaps even a global coalition censoring the shit out of the Internet because we can't have too much freedom, freedom, kind of. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we can talk about that. Um, We do know this week and I I know we talked about it a little bit on the Patreon, but but there have been some developments since that may be worth revisiting. Um, There's the whole TikTok Taylor Renz thing that kind of blew up but if, if if you want to hear us talk about that you can go subscribe to <laughs> patreon yeah. so you and it'll it'll port you money. over it'll port you over to the to the, to yeah. the new one but we talked about that the other day at, at some length i'm just saying it's true i'm just i'm advertising again i guess we talked to megan kelly about that as well and yeah. also just to remind people that um those of you who have subscribed and thank you for it over the years to the patreon the moment that we switch and that moment right now could be cinco de mayo right it's, that it's, might be a pretty yeah. good, pretty yeah, good day. It's going to happen. Something like that. Something like that. The moment that that happens, those of you who have subscribed to the Patreon immediately get 30 days free. Mm. And then you have to decide afterwards. But, like, you don't have to do anything. It's really, <laughs> well, you unless do, you do you have, have to go sign up at, <laughs> yeah, at the yeah. Substack. Yeah. Well, eventually, after, after the end of the It doesn't just days, magically port you there. But yeah. if you it's don't not, check your email address that this is not the wardrobe to Patreon, Narnia. Then yeah. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, what would the fifth column wardrobe to Narnia look like? What yeah. would happen when you walked out? Yeah. When did you start drinking today? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I Pretty did early. tell I told a friend um, that I was thinking that maybe I would start reading Chronicles of Narnia with Leah. That's yeah. Not a bad idea. It's good. Yeah. yeah. What's some, Is uh, four like an okay age for that? Mm, I'd say a little. Did I show you the, I, I showed you the, the yeah. list yeah. that my daughter made today. Yeah. Oh no. Did I show you this? I'm not sure. Yeah. This is my daughter, a guy I picked her up at school today, and she had a piece of paper in which uh, she, she made a list. I'm going to read it to you. Uh-huh. Uh, nobody cares, but I'm going to read it to you. It was a list. Uh, she's 11 years old, and she's like, these are the books that I want. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking like, you know, Babysitter's Club or something. The first book on the list, I'm not joking, and I can show you right Nancy here. Nancy Drew. Ulysses. <laughs> 
uh, Ulysses, Hitch 22, The Bell Jar, A Tale of <laughs> Two Cities. Second. Uh, the Bell Jar, no. Uh, the Year of Magic Thinking, not Magical Thinking. And I told her okay. that it's a great book, but it's about a woman whose husband and daughter die in the same year. So yeah. you should probably not read that. And wasn't a particularly good wife or mother. Yes, hmm. that's right. <laughs> that's, good writer, and then, though. Uh, and then kill Mockingbird. <laughs> so that's that's Livia's list. If anyone wants to buy those books for her, I said you might want to scratch Ulysses off the list because there are adult Irish people that can't get through that. She might get into it. Yeah, maybe. who knows? Don't maybe. rob her of the opportunity. Yeah, well, you should you should read uh, uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, what was the what's the was it Mere Christianity? Was that his mm-hmm. uh, big uh, God book? Yeah. But uh, I mean, the that, that whole series is a big god book. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it's a little subterranean. Is, I don't know yeah. if this is a spoiler for anyone. Yeah, if anyone has a, the lion is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that who it is? Pretty sure. All right. Yeah. I thought. The, I thought okay. I don't know. Maybe it's the witch. <laughs> is that that's a spoiler? <laughs> who knows? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Well. Um, anyway, but this. Yeah. What should we talk about? Because we've know. talked about so much this week yeah. on the Patreon, and then a Megan Kelly who's getting some free shit from us. She's getting a free episode. We we got to do that for her. Yeah. 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 Just, I mean, it's fun. She can come do it for us when we make yeah, we the move that. to yeah. Substack. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got to do that. Yeah. I want to talk to her right. about NBC. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I want to talk to her about. Yeah. 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 She was having a lot of fun with CNN Plus going bankrupt. Yeah. 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 I think there's Has been she a, ever been involved? With but I just want to say, I just want to say that she uh, revealed a few things about people that she worked with at NBC yeah. on the broadcast. On the broadcast. Not in commercial breaks. Yeah. yeah. Although, this is the thing that people hate. I love it. <clears throat> I love doing it when you hate this stuff. When you send me emails that say you hate this stuff, it makes me want to do it more. Someone who's at this party told me an insider uh, media thing. That blew my mind and made me laugh really hard, oh, and no. I will never fucking tell you guys. Oh no! <laughs> I'll tell you guys. Wait, but wait. Oh, you won't tell them. Okay, no so one t- tell, yeah. t- tell us now. How do we mute this? Yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is how we do it right now. We just take ready. It's just gonna go. It's gonna go quiet for a second. That uh, that. Oh yeah, that's mine. That's what I'm still open. Oh shit, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's leave that. Now. Uh, no. Uh, that's right? incredible. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's wild. Holy shit. Yeah. What a moron. My <laughs> only question is what music will we play in that <laughs> intro? <interview? laughs> oh, I like it. It gets so mad. Like, fuck you, guy. We just cut it out entirely. No. I like yeah, to taunt no. you. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to sources, they give you information. Yeah. You can't just share that. Yeah. I might like, work that it. into something in the future. So yeah. just, just hold time. We need that compromise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Appropriate wow. word. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we could, we could. Do and go in a lot of different directions. Let's in truth, talk about Obama, right? Because yeah. for him to come out now, um, and we're recording this on a Friday, and hear the chatter of a Friday night party behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's Cat Timp peeking through the window. Oh dear there. God! That, yeah, that's, right? how oh, that's how it happens. Yeah, this is where it all goes off the rails. We we, yeah. we all have PTSD yeah, yeah. <laughs> from certain lost episodes, but um, <laughs> um, no, Obama came. Uh, like strong. This yeah. is what I'm going to do with my foundation. I'm going to go um, and attack the misinformation and disinformation uh, problem that's afflicting all of us, and that has killed people. He said, "Yes." Um, uh, similarly, specific, specific to- example he gave was uh, Myanmar, a situation where Facebook helped to precipitate the murder of many people. As, yeah, Myanmar, as, yeah. as though, as though there hadn't been things like 
I don't know, radio. Rwanda. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. Rwanda. So yeah. yeah, I suppose technology can be bad. It yeah. can precipitate. Bad I think, things. I think uh, radio is now banned in Rwanda <laughs> because of this. <laughs> we fixed it. We yeah. made certain that there, there wouldn't be any yeah. more. It's bad a strange thing, isn't it? I mean, if it was, if it was some other, if it was Reddit, if I don't think it would be met with so much zeal, right? Uh-huh. Because they have created, and they being people on the right and the left, created this Facebook bogeyman, right? Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg as like, he is a guy who talks like this. He has no grand plans. He can't even tie his shoes. He's just this total <laughs> fucking weirdo. And they're like, he is the dark master of everything. And so it's always Facebook. It's not the internet. It doesn't matter where it is. I mean, what they, what do they have in Russia? V contact? Like that's VK.com. It's like mm-hmm. their version of Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million of these things that are localized and people make use of them. It doesn't make a difference. I mean, cause there's no special technology that comes with Facebook that's allowing this stuff to spread with, you know, a, a certain type of rapidity and a certain type of virulence. It's like, no, it's just spreading stuff online. If you, if you do that with Facebook and say, we have to, you know, pile on Facebook, find some regulations. Then you do that, of course, with Twitter. Then you do that with every other platform. And that's a, ultimately the idea, right? It's to control mm-hmm. all of these platforms in some way to make sure that misinformation, hate speech, you know, speech that promotes violence or provokes violence, which is something that we used to have a very, very high standard for, like something that provokes violence, right? Go uh, kill that guy across the yes, street. Right. His name Go- is Michael Moynihan. Yes. <laughs> Look at him. It's, uh, people Come say on. that every fucking day. Uh-huh. Nobody charged ever. <laughs> I don't know why, but nobody's charged. Well, a moment ago when we when we were first starting to talk, Matt, and I, I suggested that the president said that former, there was too much freedom. Former president. I mean, he was still, he's a president. He right. was, he's been president of the United States at some point. When I said earlier that he had suggested that there was too much freedom, you said that I, I went a little bit f- too far, but I think it's worth like actually listening to what he says when he's kind of setting up the speech. I am amazed by the internet. It's connected billions of people around the world. Put the collected knowledge of centuries at our fingertips. It's made our economies vastly more efficient accelerated medical advances, opened up new opportunities, allowed people with shared interests to find each other. I might never have been elected president if it hadn't been for websites like, and I'm dating myself, MySpace, (laughs) Meetup, and Facebook that allowed an army of young volunteers to organize, raise money, spread our message. That's what elected me. And since then, We've all witnessed the ways that activists use social media platforms to register dissent and shine a light on injustice and mobilize people on issues like climate change and racial justice. So the Internet and the accompanying information revolution has been transformative, and there's no turning back. But like all advances in technology, this progress has had unintended consequences. It's sometimes come at a price. And in this case, we see that our new information ecosystem is turbocharging some of humanity's worst impulses. Not all of these effects are intentional or even avoidable. They're simply the consequence of billions of humans suddenly plugged into an instant 24-7 global information stream. We spent a fair amount of time unpacking a lot of things that we've heard over and over again and that we've talked about on this podcast before, effectively the Martin Gurry thesis 
that there is this tsunami of information and also a crisis of confidence in institutions and people are, they're not going to church as much. They don't have these civic organizations. They feel less connected to one another. And as a result, we have this dangerous situation, but also the algorithms are bad. I love the arc of it, right? Because the arc of his thing, and I don't know what we'll play for listeners, but of the part that we listened to in this room, it started with like, Internet was good back when it was electing me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. the internet got kind of bad. It was yeah. good for racial justice, climate change, <laughs> all these great things. Yeah. Now it's bad. Yeah. Afterwards. And like they were famous for that, right? Like uh-huh. they were. Yeah, yeah. Their ground game on, on you know, and their internet stuff, they were top of the They were top fantastic. The Facebook was bragging about their ability to help influence American elections at that point. Yeah. And that was really good. No, mm-hmm. the, I mean. It's a thing that I grapple with constantly when we talk about social media in general and whatever. There's the sense of like people want to blame the algorithm. They want to blame the company. They want to blame the people associated with the company. Um, And so much of it is just like you want to blame your fellow humans for taking part of a democratized media landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the famous rule whose name I forget, but like once it became possible for bands, rock and roll bands, to make their own cassettes for pretty cheap, you know, 99% of them were revealed to be crap. Mm. Like it used to be kind of tough to like record an actual vinyl yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. Like there's still novelty records here and there, but it was like a, it was definitely a, you know, a barrier to entry. Right. It stopped being one. And then when the new stuff came out, um, you recognize that most of the stuff was crap. Uh, my personal theory, which I think is undefeated, um, <laughs> is that sure you do. <laughs> every social media platform that goes bad, mm-hmm. and we've all seen it happen with whatever platform, you can you can carbon date when it goes bad, mm-hmm. when it becomes adopted by journalists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when they were blogging yes. was like blogging was fine in the nineties. Blogging started to go bad right when I started blogging because I'm a journalist and I did it after 9-11. And there's all these journalists who came in and like, we're going to be journalists on the blogs. And they like ruined it for everybody else. Twitter has the same kind of thing. Facebook, maybe to a lesser degree. But like when people who are hyper politicized and they want to see the world in this uh, in a national sense. Right. Like this is an underrated part of the problem that Obama was referring to several times through his remarks is that people who are just like passively consuming and being mad at politics in whatever city that they're from um, or whatever browser that they're using, they're mad about what's happening nationally and they're ignorant about what's happening locally. Right. Um, That is kind of a bad thing. It's very good for the New York times. Mm -hmm. It's very good for the Washington post and, good for maybe one or two other like organizations, including like the you know, Republican National Committee or whatever, because everyone's focused at the White House, but it's bad for civic culture and it's bad for the way that we kind of like talk amongst ourselves about things. Gets mm-hmm. us really excited about the person in Washington that we hate. And there are never going to be a, a shortage of Marjorie Taylor Greens, uh, of Ilhan Omar's, of people who just are like nonsense people who are in Congress, they're backbenchers, and they say crazy, stupid-ass shit every single day. And we focus on the on the national government so much that we mistake that for all of politics. And I think a lot of, a lot of this is that people are reacting, Obama is reacting to what happens when human beings get 
um, access to basic democratizing materials and they act like human beings, which is the what problem, Ben Dreyfus yeah, yeah, said yeah. in a recent time. The problem with this, and there's so many things that annoy me about this, the problem with this is that when you have Marjorie Taylor Greene as the focus, she is a nobody in Congress, right? But she has she like among the biggest money raisers? Of course, right? Yeah. But so, so what... So she, she's not particularly powerful, but she at least has yes. a constituency that cares enough. Of course. But she doesn't... Have, like, so in how this happens is really interesting to look at because what you do when Donald Trump leaves the scene is you want to make the the opposition party look crazy. Mm -hmm. So why does MSNBC focus all of their attention and ire on Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because rather than talking about some boring kind of milk toast Republican who's maybe suggesting things that are reasonable or, you know, reaching a hand across the aisle, and there are a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. There's no need for them in their business model to talk about them. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to get all of the attention. It's not... You know, the, you know, go up there and talk about misinformation and all this bad stuff in politics. It's like, no, the, the journalists are the ones that are doing this. They're the ones that are focusing on Republicans find the goofy lefty weirdos, right? And the same thing is true hmm. of Democrats and, and, and liberals. They do the exact same thing. But the, the problem with all of this is that they're missing something that requires a certain knowledge of history, just a very basic knowledge of history. What nobody ever wants to talk about is that we have to, you know, kill this uh, misinformation, these platforms, blah, 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 the algorithms. Here's what the, the thing when people talk about the algorithms, nobody knows what the fucking algorithm is. Nobody's ever seen this in action. Nobody knows how it's programmed and like how it's actually computing things. Is it algorithms like this work because they know what you like? They don't convince you to like things that you don't like. Right. This is a very, very simple thing that's often overlooked. The algorithms are, are feeding these people things that they want. I mean, how they many? They like it. That's the thing. You have to beat the, Twitter, the stuff that people like. The Twitter suggestions, how much does that actually correspond to any of your likes it's super rare yeah i mean and, and, and the other thing about this is that when people say like you know uh we have to defeat misinformation it's like okay i'll tell you how to do it <laughs> have a piece if it's it, pretend it's in the newspaper it's misinformation in the newspaper the other newspaper writes a piece and says this is wrong problem solved that's it we don't have to shut down newspapers we don't have to go, you know, have the government get involved and say that's too much bad information. It's like you have to have a couple of things. People tell you what is misinformation. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult to, to, to quantify because a lot of the shit that I see on television. I mean, I see Joe Biden on television talking about inflation to talk about inflation, ad infinitum and then throw back to fucking Joy Reid talking about it. And nobody talks about monetary policy. Is this misinformation? Right. Talks about Putin yeah. and talks about, you know, uh, the, the companies are trying to maximize profits. Really? Yeah. Literally no economist on earth would have this conversation without talking about what the Fed is doing. And is the Fed heating up the economy? Is it trying to cool it down? What's it doing? The Fed is reacting. They understand what's happening. They're raising interest rates, obviously. But th these people talk about this in a vacuum. They talk about it because Putin's a great scapegoat. And then the corporations, right? So it's the guys who fucked up our election and elected Donald Trump and horrible capitalism. And it fits my worldview. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's not misinformation. I don't know, because I think misinformation is a stupid category. I think that that's, you know, narrow casting and narrowly attacking an issue to not, you know, bring in all these things that actually might make you look bad. That's called politics, right? Mm -hmm. It's a pretty basic thing. So why are we trying to rewrite politics and say misinformation? It's like, guys, that is what politics is. Stop pretending there was some golden age of purity when everything was true 
And then people had these sensible, and they're like, you know, we can't have this lying. There's too much lying. I, I mean, do you remember Richard Nixon? No? Do you remember no, Barack no, Obama? Any of them. <laughs> Bill Clinton, like, you know, so who was saying this today? I think it was Glenn Greenwald or somebody pointed this out. It was one of these, like, like Glenn, Glenn Kessler, one of these guys. A Glenn. The, <laughs> Another Glenn that was like talking about like you know Enough. those D- Donald Trump made lying acceptable in politics and it was like That's I incredible. cannot believe <laughs> you people have fucking jobs you should be fired <laughs> have you ever heard of public like, your political reporters it's like uh, the, the the problem with all this stuff now is it's actually deranged people who think they are the beacons of truth the beacons of sense and truth are the ones who really really have no perspective on what is actually happening yes these guys lie. Like Kevin McCarthy, we have a, a you know a bit My of God. audio that comes out that proves that he's lying mm-hmm. today. In which he, you know, I never said that I was you know wanted the president to step down or something. There's an audio recording of him doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. I'm not like, oh my god, I got to call my friends. Kevin McCarthy lied. Right. It's Kevin fucking McCarthy. Of course he lied. He's a politician. We should expect more. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah. I've expected more from politicians than I gave up and you know turned 19. <laughs> There are like numerous aspects of the speech that that were a bit grating for me, but it was perhaps when he arrived at not so much solutions, but recommendations for how we proceed from here, how we cure misinformation and disinformation. And he talked about the obligation for tech companies to engage in more content moderation um, on their own and to be more responsible for their platforms. Of course, he acknowledged the fact that some of them are beginning to do this, but obviously it wasn't enough. Sure. He didn't acknowledge that there have been places where they have obviously made mistakes, like the Hunter Biden laptop story, for example, where this was deemed misinformation by a number of official people, at least official sounding people. And the tech companies, they, they decided, yeah, we're going to listen to what they say. And we won't allow you to share this story by the New York Post about this laptop at all. And ban the New York Post opinion yeah, lock down section, their, lock down their, account. their Twitter account. And yeah. the reason we talk about this, by the way, is not because we're particularly, you know, exercised about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's just that was the first big story in the age of we must police this stuff. Right. Because we had to police it because we wanted to make sure that Donald Trump didn't become president again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and any of this information that gets out there. And, you know, Barack Obama should mention one thing. He used to mention this, that he was the target of a lot of hatred from Fox News Mm -hmm. back when he was president for two terms. They didn't go deep into the fever swamps of birtherism. I'm sure people brought it up on the network, but that was not a thing that happened really on the network. That was outside of it. Uh, but Trump was doing this, et cetera. Donald, Barack Obama is the, has more falls on Twitter than anyone else on earth. He's number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And he's also the most popular politician in America. Mm-hmm. T- to this day, he's still incredibly popular, right? And that always happens, you know, as you, as you get away from your presidency. This stuff doesn't have a long <laughs> shelf life. I mean, the guy is super popular, but if you actually look back, he was so, it was so hateful, this, this environment and everyone wanted to kill Obama and the rest of it. It's like, yeah, that's just, you know, politics ain't beanbag. It's what mm-hmm. it happened. The stuff that he had to deal with in some instances was particularly noxious. And I agree with that. But, you know, the guy didn't it's not people aren't going around talking about him being born in Kenya anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It was just bad, bad, shitty, gross politics. One of the things that Obama said was he expressed some kind of nostalgic fondness for the fairness doctrine. Yes, it was an example of how we can work together to find <laughs> no. solutions to this problem, how we can get find bipartisan solutions that work. It's what we did after World War II. We knew that information 
could be used or media could be used to manipulate people and to cultivate hate. And we had to stop it. So we, we got the fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine is <laughs> exactly it's a, why it's you, a good part of history. It's crazy. Why you didn't have a televised presidential debate between what, 1964 and 1980. Mm-hmm. I think it was the span. Um, it was the 76 one might've been the, the, the uh, Ford Carter debate when he said, there's no, Soviet right. occupation. That might have been televised. Right. Yeah. So there's a 12 year gap. Or something we have Steve like Kornacki that. in the other room. We should probably yeah, get him. Should, him. <laughs> he would know. He'd just go, us. yes, well. Are we allowed to mention that he's here? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. He's yeah. been on the podcast a million times. That's true. He's fine. Yeah. We got Kornacki. We got Gillespie. We got yeah. Temp. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. A real, a real murderer's row. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, no, like. He had the opportunity as president, and it was uh, an aspect of some worry among then conservative activists, because back then conservatives understood that they, they'd been spending 30 or 40 years uh, agitating against the Fairness Doctrine. Because mm-hmm. what how Fairness Doctrine basically says, and I'm screwing this up, I'm sure, um, <laughs> Go for equal it. time. It's fine. Yeah. Basically equal time, right? Yeah. Like uh, if you have this Democrat, you got to find a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, then don't run it. Yeah. So what happens is that people end up not running public affairs programming um, yes. at all. So like you have reduced the yeah, amount. It shrinks the amount of stuff. Yeah, it yeah, shrinks yeah, the yeah, amount yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. in the world. And that's really helpful, particularly for people of the two major parties. Right. Uh, because then you'll definitely not get equal time for the goddamn Greens or Libertarians or, you know, whatever John Anderson is doing this. Whatever. And and this is true through all of the things that people have little momentary like uh, lapses of enthusiasm for in terms of media policy. And they always imagine if only we had the fairness doctrine, we could shut down Fox News and <laughs> therefore Trump wouldn't win. And it's like, it's motherfucker. That's not, not how it works. Like go well, actually the, in, in some respects that is kind of how it works. Well, because the, the no, it's yeah. not. Big, well, no, but the FCC has been used yeah, by both yeah. political parties at different instances to try and achieve political ends. The Kennedy administration, John F. Kennedy's administration, like actually used it to go after Republicans and to stop conservatives from producing content or from from exercising the dominance right. that they when, had in radio at the time. Nixon tried to use it to suppress um, reporting on on Watergate. These are things that have happened all in of, the past through these exact mechanisms. Right. That Barack all Obama of the tools, all of the tools that people want to claim nostalgic, like this will fix it, were used by abusive presidents to choke off debate and punish people preemptively, mm-hmm. um, sometimes in the face with like editors in the case of the Nixon administration, like you better do this or we're going to use antitrust to get after your ass and they're using all of We're going to use the IRS to go after you, which Thomas, was another, another thing that they did. J- JFK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thomas Hazlitt has written wonderful things uh, in the reason archive about this. I've written about it a, a bit too. Um, it's crazy <laughs> like for people to think that these are the tools that we can like suddenly open the things up. There's a tension and it's actually a very chameleon uh, tension Camille from the earliest days of this podcast, and since we've all known him, I think even chameleon, like somebody who is a chameleon. No, he's uh, they can oh. be the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got it right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this <laughs> is about you, of course. Same damn. Yeah, you talk about me. Let's just Camille esque. Yeah, I think yeah. that should be the official yeah, thing. Yeah. Camille yeah. has always been skeptical, openly of democracy. Um, oh. 
uh, in a way that makes me and uh, Michael maybe <laughs> yes. flinch a little bit, but we've gotten used to it. Yeah. But well, what what is democracy? The of a democracy. I just Democra- know that democracy is a tool. It is a mechanism. It's a steering wheel. I don't think the democracy is the greatest thing for us. I think we should do something a little more authoritarian. That's what I'm saying. That's not what I say. That is not my argument. I I bristle at people who who rhapsodize about how important Mm. democracy is, how democracy is in danger. But the tool that we use to make decisions that that allow government to start the function, like we have a democratic republic. We have the Supreme Court and we have Congress and we have these other things. You don't vote on all of the things and it's not what the majority wants in every instance that gets done. In which case, what we're safeguarding here is not Mm. the democracy, which in the past, I think what you've said, Matt Welch, is that people people get the difference. They know the difference. Yeah, vote man sure. I don't know if you still believe that in the same respect. You keep today. trying to browbeat me, motherfucker. No, just, you're right. On the on the on <laughs> no, the... seriously, you're right. Like like the the idea that we're safeguarding democracy. I mean, there are people this week, uh, Fauci today or yesterday, was like, I don't think. I don't. Can you give me Fauci? I can't even remember what he sounds like. <laughs> Stop listening to him. Nobody, Thank God, you don't have to anymore. But he was saying about he's the, like from Brooklyn. That's all I remember about about the the, the lower, put your fucking mask on, you prick. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? About the That's lower court like decision yeah. that we talked about with Megyn Kelly. Actually, yeah. uh, of, don't even listen to this podcast anymore. Just listen to Megyn Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't on, go, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah. um, no, the, the the righteous court decision to say that the 1944 law giving the CDC some authorization about like. Uh, uh, looking over sanitation rules. Mm-hmm. That's what they're using to make everyone uh, wear a mask on airplanes. You doesn't make, about my ride in here today. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense uh, at all. And Fauci's like, oh, you know, this this shouldn't be this shouldn't be uh, uh, up up to the courts. This should be this is something for democracy, right? Yeah, to, yeah. to do. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, bro. But, but, by the way, these are the same people who are like, you know, you tweet anything. It's a little out of the mainstream and stuff. And they're like, are you a doctor? And it's like, wait, I thought the fucking democracy was taking care of this. I don't know. Doctors had to take care of it. But on the on the fairness doctrine thing, it never made sense. It was always a disaster. There's a lot of great stuff. And it's actually reasons published a lot of good stuff on on the history of the fairness doctrine. But, you know, if you want to try to make sense of it, you can just think of it this way. There was a time when there were three networks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, oh, OK. Let's just make sure that one of them is not dominated by like, I get the instinct. It's totally wrong. And it goes pear shaped the second you start doing it. But that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're now having like five days of tumult about libs of TikTok. <laughs> it's like they are people are dying because of this account. It's like, you know, we're talking about the fairness doctrine in one breath and then some Hasidic real estate developer or whatever. I what is she, like a real has estate a agent? Twitter account. Yeah, has a Twitter account. She's nobody. Rapes TikTok yeah. accounts. Yeah, and it's is, like, look at like these. bigger than ever. It's, so, yes. Uh, yeah. Good, great job. Thanks to the, the yeah, that's Barbara Streisand right there. That's a little <laughs> Streisand effect going on. And it is insane to me that we have these, like, let's talk about these old tools that were even formulated. There was It was a poor formulation in a time where the media landscape was so narrow that average schmoes that maybe were LA-based real estate, uh, what do you call it? She's a realtor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, had no influence, none whatsoever. You could maybe go to a town hall that would probably not be filmed by the local news and ask a question of your congressman. That was it. You can't, Now you're talking about the fairness doctrine in the sense where everybody can just get online and actually you know, do something. The, the number of journalists, and I think people often forget about this 
And Matt, I know you could point a bunch out, and I, I consider myself one of them. The number of journalists who became journalists from their their own inertia online is astonishing. They didn't apply for jobs, did not go to journalism school, did not go through the traditional path from copy boy up to, you know, and I know some people kind of romanticize this. I know Tayyibi does this a lot of like, you know, it used to be a kind of a working class profession, but you can cut the line these days. Because I mean, a number of people that are opinion journalists just showed up out of nowhere because they had pretty interesting opinions. Yeah. You know, people talk about like you should have Freddie DeBoer on. The, like, who the fuck is Freddie DeBoer? He's just a guy that has a thing. <laughs> uh, he's gonna fucking try to find me and murder yeah. me just for that. I'm just, he's a guy who had a thing and he became popular. He has I'm, a that's, long memory. Yeah, I know he has a very long memory. Very long I know. Memory. Oh my god, an elephant's memory. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because I don't, and I'm like, what is he mad about? <laughs> I have no idea. But you know, that was a compliment to him. Uh, so people who just do this stuff on their own and get hired, it's like this media landscape is phenomenal it is amazing it is egalitarian in a way that it never has been and democratic uh-huh. it's democratic camille yeah yeah do you want me to uh, say that in german so sure. you understand it i understand yeah. <laughs> yeah. again I'm, I'm i'm fine with it as a mechanism so yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah we appreciate it yeah, in that way yeah I'm, I'm thinking about other like aspects of the speech that kind of rub me the wrong way and one of the chief things that stands out to me is all of the concerns specifically about like the loss of credibility for the institutions and people have this, this need. They need to be able to access good, high quality information. They need to be able to dif- differentiate between truth and fiction. And Barack Obama had advice for the citizens in some, some respects. He had advice for tech companies. The one organization he didn't have any advice for was the fucking government. Various mm. governmental bodies who are responsible for messaging about things like, I don't know, fucking public health and the fact that people don't trust you and, and journalists as well. Like the fact that people don't trust your reporting, the fact that public opinion has been plummeting with respect to how people regard you and your capacity for fairness and honesty like that was happening pre-internet. It has continued to go down yes. because of the internet, yes. but not merely because people have access to information. In many instances, it's because people have access to information that tells them about your fucking failures, that, that exposes is, your dishonesty that is the key and point. your fraudulence. Yes, yes, hundred percent. That is a key point, and it's it's you cannot emphasize this stuff enough. Is that you know you get caught cheating on your wife seven times and then you say i'm gonna go with the boys tonight and then she looks at you like where are you going <laughs> yeah you see you just they don't that's because you keep on fucking yeah. up they don't trust you anymore yeah trying to make an application to our listeners i know a lot of them are scumbags that's something that maybe they can relate to is that this is what they happens can relate to I, I mean what do you want to say me okay fine fine it was me i did it <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not a confessional. Should we get Joanna? Come on. (laughs) So bad. It was so fun. No, I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was totally worth it. Uh, It was a joke. It's a joke. Not a joke. Uh, It's kind of a joke. But no, this this thing now is that if you look back in history, I found um, a, a book. It's about five, 10, 15 years ago in a used bookstore. It was called, I think it was called All the News That's Fit. And it was from like the 60s. And it was like an anti New York Times book. 
mm. from the 1960s, late mm. 60s. And it was like, nothing in this paper is true. It's a bunch of activists, blah, blah, blah. And this was like some guy screaming in the wilderness. And rather than getting this stuff out as the pieces were coming out, he collated this all into a book, right? So this has always been the case. You look back and, you know, the Times machine on the New York Times website, if mm-hmm. you're a subscriber, it's worth it just for that. And you That's realize, really stuff in so interesting. Yeah. And then you realize, like, I mean, anywhere from the Ukrainian famine, which Walter Durante lied about and won a Pulitzer Prize for, to all of these kind of wild things in the past that like, oh, you misreported this and you actually knew at the time. That's why Durante's important because he actually knew what was going on and he misreported it. But now we see this stuff in real time in the expectation that we should trust you. It's like, well, that was one journalist that did this. It's like, no, 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 people don't act like that. Mm-hmm. They think institutionally. The Washington Post as an organization did X and Y, they will take such a hit from the Taylor Lorenz thing is that it just feels personal to a lot of people that like that TikTok account. They're like, I don't, I'm not anti-gay. I just think there's like weird people that they highlight that say crazy things. And I think it's kind of funny, right? And this kind of crusading thing is like, you have to choose. If that's what you want to do, you have to expect people to not trust you anymore, that this is not kind of reporting that seems fair in the in the sense of the Taylor Lorenz stuff, or that you understand that somebody's thumbing the scale all the time because, look, you know, when you do that story, and we talked about this on the Patreon, and she cites two people, one is from Media Matters and one is from the now very activist ACLU, and as I said, both on the Patreon and Megyn Kelly show, is that if you did a story like that where you cited National Review and the Media Research Center, Brent Bozell's Jr.'s thing, people would be like, is this a joke? In the Washington, but it's totally normal when the Washington Post does it because it's an expectation that this is the world of, you know, that we live in. That, you know, I mean, I say that as the journalist, that's the world we inhabit. This doesn't seem weird to us. To the rest of the world, it does seem kind of weird. To the rest there of America, a, it does. A conflation that happened, and I, I pin it to 2012, um, where the classes of people who work in journalism and the classes of people who work in politics seem to meld a little bit. And I observed it at the uh, 2012 Democratic National Convention in Charlotte or some goddamn city um, at the time. And the and also the Republican convention that happened uh, simultaneously, the Republican one that came first. Paul Ryan was excoriated um, as having been the worst liar anyone had ever seen. Um, Just look up Paul Ryan 2012 uh, uh, Republican convention in lies and watch the torrent that comes through. And I was rereading some of my own coverage of it. And the lies were he misstated the date of a plant closure uh, of uh, of from being a 2008 to 2009. Actually, it was the fact checkers who misstated it. They assumed that he was lying. They got it wrong. He got it right. Um, and then other two other like ticky tack things. And from there, it was like we are in an existential battle between truth and lies. And mm-hmm. we have and, and truth needs to win. It was this weird thing. It was such an over um, uh, indexing for my God, Republicans are evil liars. Lord knows we got to the Republicans are evil liars four years hence, um, which became this thing. But the coverage at the time was incredible. The Democratic convention happened afterwards, and all of it came in the wake of that. And there was this sort of smug sense of like, well, at least our convention <laughs> We tell the truth yeah. um, over and over again. And the, and the Democrats are clapping. There was a, a big piece. Richard Engel uh, from Time magazine had this incredible 
interview with Barack Obama, which basically the subtext is, um, are voters willing to acknowledge the truth enough to reward the truth teller, or are they so susceptible to lies that they're going to vote for the liar? I'm, I'm really am not like gilding the lily there. That's how this was portrayed. And uh, ever since then, you can see that like the Obamaites are working the refs. They're saying like, you know, there's a lot of both sidesism out here and we know that's wrong. <laughs> I love that. We see this, you know, like with the exchange of editorships, the New York Times from Dean Baquet to Joe Kahn, his uh, longtime managing editor, Adam Davidson and uh, Jay Rosen are in there in the Washington Post and on Twitter talking about like, you know, Dean Baquet was a disaster because of all that both sidesism. These are words. Yeah, that's trying to work the rest beforehand and make sure to say, hey, we're going to be on your tail if you don't become more partisan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and please. The, the, the ideological shift at yeah. the paper being even firmer, yeah. even more. Firmer. I never thought of the Dean Baquet time in which they ran journalists out who disagreed with this sort of general <laughs> as the like right wing. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, that that's is how it's, many, it's portrayed. Bad people still lingering. <laughs> but so the thing crazy. that Obama has always done. And Killed he did, David Brooks. And he did that today. <laughs> with a like a, a visual backdrop that looks disturbingly like Max Headroom. I mean, go look at that again. It's like weird sort of brown slats. Um, just dated uh, your, there's like it's so many young listeners like, Googling Max Headroom right now. Like, is, is that a porn guy? Kind of. Is that he's playing to that. And it would have a lot more credibility if he would have led with, hey, you know what? Politics is inherently a grimy business in which we mangled the truths to do things that we want to do. And I did that myself when passing Obamacare. Um, that's not what he said. That's not what they no. ever say. And if you're going to like get my like sympathy in this, you're going to get my ear open. It's not like Republicans are really bad. Democracy with the internet is super bad. Mm -hmm. No, it's not going to be that. It's like, I participated in a degrading process in a way that degraded this thing that I, I want to make better. He didn't do that today. He will never do that because he's sainted and he knows he can he do is, this. He is sainted. And he knows sure. there's an audience. That's, that's, there's an audience for this message. And it's bullshit until he comes clean about his own basic dishonesty. It's bullshit and should be treated with the hostility that it deserves what, one final comment on this which is that the, the terminology here is really important because we tend to like drift from it and you know have these conversations as if there's some agreed upon terminology um i saw something today i think i sent it to you guys it was like retweeted like you know, 50,000 times or 500,000 mm -hmm, times. Mm -hmm. And it was about masking on planes. And then there was this one other woman who was like, yeah, I'm just going to smoke on planes. It's like, yeah, that's actually, doesn't, that doesn't literally makes no sense. Um, that's banned. You can still wear a mask. Um, and like all these people are like, yeah, you know, we have to fight this misinformation that is coming from these COVID skeptics, et cetera. And this was the response to all these things, right? This is about masking on planes. This, the, we have to fight the misinformation. Think about that for a second. These are people who believe that if you think that it's safe to be on a plane without a mask, that you are a purveyor of misinformation. As the overwhelming majority of Americans do. Yes. So far as that, that's, based on my flight today, yes. it's fully 90% of Americans. Of course. From from like, <laughs> DC to New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 90% the most like, locked down flight you could come yeah, up with. And in LaGuardia. Like, from Havana LaGuardia. To, to Pyongyang. <laughs> in LaGuardia, my, my understanding is that LaGuardia and JFK 
you're still required to wear masks when you're coming into the airport and taking an outbound flight. I imagine you can't differentiate between people who are kind of waiting for a flight because they're coming inbound or because they just just landed and they're catching a connection. But I didn't see many masks inside yeah. LaGuardia. Yeah. I didn't see it. By the way, I was on I took the subway. Open disregard for the law at this point. I took the subway here and I didn't wear a mask because uh-huh. I forgot. And I'm like, because there's still a mask mandate here. And I was yeah. like, fuck this shit. I mean, I might actually wear a mask on the subway for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, that's different. Yeah. I saw, I was on the subway and this it was a hilarious racial breakdown. Mm. Uh-huh. It was me and about 15 black guys. Yeah. And then a bunch of like willowy little white girls with masks on. Yeah, yeah. Me and the black guys, no, no masks. We were uh, cool. We were all looking at each other. What's going yeah, on, man? Yeah. Cool. Everyone was fine. Yeah. And then these girls like, show time. Like, and they were all, <laughs> they were all, <laughs> showtime. I got up on the pole. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in New York. Uh, you have to Google that. Showtime in New York. Um, and no, like, actually just Google on the pole. On the pole. <laughs> <laughs> a different, little, little more exciting. Be- better results. Yeah. But yeah, like everyone's like looking at me. Like these women were like looking at me like, you're not looking at the other guys. You're looking at me. Uh, you're like, why are you? betraying every that's different yeah but why what about you and i was like okay you fucking racist i mean i'm i'm with them but uh <laughs> but the funny thing about it is like this 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 kind of thing about what is considered misinformation i'm gonna say something that maybe is gonna make me sound uh like uh, i should be on newsmax or something uh-huh. conservatives are not in a bubble in the way that liberals are. Let's what? just, let's just, let's just understand this, that when you are some right winger and you mm. like Newsmax, you like OAN, whatsoever, you know, whatever it is, you are consuming stuff in everyday culture that is kind of liberal, right? You know, you watch movies, you Disney stuff, Netflix stuff, you know, the culture is kind of liberal, right? You go to Amazon, as somebody who's a conservative and, you know, it's after George Floyd and there's like the Black Lives Matter stuff and there's like flags and all this stuff. The liberal friends of mine that mm-hmm. live in this city don't understand any other points of view. They don't interact with them. They don't come into any contact with them. And I think this creates this idea that everything that they don't hear in this constant feedback loop is misinformation. Mm -hmm. They think it has to be misinformation. And it's like, you know what? If I was Barack Obama, I would get up there and say, say what he says, because he's Barack Obama. That's what he's going to say. But, you know, have an addendum in there that says, you know, one of the things that would be healthy for everybody Mm -hmm. is if you actually consumed media from the other there, side there was a moment there was a moment where he almost got there oh really there was a moment where he almost got that's there. What helpful he, what he said though what he ended up saying was just giving that anecdote about the study where fox news viewers started watching cnn oh yeah how, yeah 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 and yeah. how some of them actually like changed their mind a sure, little bit there's sure. like an eight or nine point shift yeah, yeah. but the, the joke in that was they still probably still hate me yeah yeah but yeah, yeah, you know yeah, some yeah. of them kind of changed yeah, their mind so yeah. see yeah you know yeah and, and it almost sounded like now we they all think he's have born to in diversify our media consumption <laughs> we all have these biases that we we lean into but he didn't quite get there he couldn't yeah. bring himself to do that in that room and every single example yeah. of prominent misinformation was what you would expect it was. Yeah. And of course, the, the, the biggest ones, um, January 6th and Russian, um, but that's the misinformation that which is, is misinformation. Of course, misinformation. Yeah, yeah. He kept insinuating that this had a profound impact on Prove it. that particular show election. me the receipts. The he Russian disinformation in 2016. Yeah. yeah. Had a profound impact because he's, he's working on his memoir and he's thinking about his regrets and he and he's thinking about how, how they didn't make that a priority. Didn't the Russians were memoir? able to up, apparently another one or something. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, yeah, 
it's just it's it's frustrating to see. I, I actually do agree that there is a need for for in, improved media literacy that in general 100%. people need to be able to to browse the web in a way that allows them to find and differentiate between useful and not so useful sources. Like that's just true. We I need mean, to get trying. better acclimated. I think that's true. But I think in general, people need to get better acclimated to things. And I, as I said a moment ago, I think institutions need to get more serious about making certain that they can be respected um, in those, in those, um, in those different environments and contexts. But he didn't talk about any of that stuff, not but in a meaningful way. Can we do one thing? One other addendum to this and acknowledge, and this is something that Barack Obama is never going to acknowledge. It would, it would literally blow up his whole career and, and the Twitter be talking about it for eight years. Can we just acknowledge that there are stupid people in America too? And that you cannot do anything for stupid people, right? There are Man. dumb people who don't, will never some, ever some get. Some of y'all just dumb. Yeah. Some of y'all just dumb. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> Let me be clear. That's the problem. Yeah. Some of y'all just stupid as shit. <laughs> You just don't know. You voted for me. I can't. I've never for heard this, Brock. This is You're amazing. Stupid. I mean, one hand is better, but <laughs> no, it's not. Camille's got some dollops that you good. can't get to. That yeah, was good. good. I'm surprised. I came out of yeah. nowhere. We've been doing this show for fucking yeah, he's six like years. Genuinely impressed. He's never been impressed with anything I've done before. No, that's true. Like, no, his moment. No. I just feel. Yeah, and I grade you on a curve too. It's true. You know what? Well, you have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> in order yeah. to get here, I only had to be half as yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to work twice as hard. It's like I don't know. Oh man! Um, did you see the uh, the trailer for that new uh, uh, um, Michelle Obama movie? Oh, what? Oh, oh, the one with Viola Davis, yeah. who's like yeah, playing Michelle. You've got her blowfish lips Not going. Good. Isn't that everyone's c- criticizing her for doing the pursing her lips the whole time? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, because because apparently Michelle Obama does that, and in all the photos, she's like pursing her lips, and there are people saying like that's disrespectful to her. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, no, I yeah. haven't. So it's a movie about it's about Michelle. Is is she uh, interesting? I mean, is she interesting as like a Michelle, like for a movie as a person? I mean, I know her book did She's really well. Biggest selling author of the last ten years. I know yeah. it's huge. I don't understand how that happened. Yeah, we need yeah. the hagiography. What did anyone? Did you read that book? No. Did you read that book, Matt? It's a very big, big book. Book? What? <laughs> it's a huge book. I know. I'm gonna read that book. <laughs> I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading the Showtime book by Jeff Perlman about the Winning Time series. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty good. I just uh, started uh, Matt Continetti's book. Is it good? Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, yeah. Let's he's get him on. he's a, we should have him on. He's an incredibly, incredibly smart guy, and uh, it's called The Right as a history of the conservative movement really? in America. And the first, um, the preface is all about uh, him walking into working at the Weekly Standard building when he uh, started there in two thousand three, hmm. which also housed uh, PNAC. <laughs> the conspiracy theories, uh, cons- conspiracy theorists love oh, that project right. for the new yeah, American yeah, century yeah. Mm. and um, AI so and all that stuff. And uh, hmm. that apparently that building has been bulldozed. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, they've, they've all. But it's it starts there as a as a pretty useful starting place for how that was a kind of pinnacle of the conservative movement in in Iraq went wrong and it all huh. kind of readjusted. It's pretty interesting. And, and Arthur Brooks shifted to. The Dalai Lama as a yeah. And David Brooks uh, <laughs> shifted from the Weekly Standard to the New York Times. There's a couple of Brookses yeah. in that building, right? Because yeah. Arthur Brooks was the head of AEI for a while. Right? I feel yeah. kind of bad now. In like my shards of free time, I'm reading uh, Walter Isaacson's uh, um, um, book, Franklin, about um, Einstein. Oh, yeah. 
he's he's, he's, he's like, a very good biographer. He knows what he's surprisingly good. He's good. And, and the thing he's about good. the thing that I find like most interesting about it is he actually makes it a point to try and make the 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 subject matter of the papers that Einstein wrote like accessible. comprehensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is That's I think hard. like really cool. Like the the chapter five is like the miracle year, and I've like had to go back and read it like several times to try and get a a real command for which I can totally explain now, but won't because I've been drinking <laughs> <laughs> for those four I'm drinking. consequential yeah. papers. You're drinking you enough. You one um, hand. You know, you know uh, that uh, Einstein very into the purple drink. It's mm. in the book. It's true. Yeah, he was it's in there. Ripple? Yeah, yeah. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Einstein, we go have evil MC squared and have a ripple. The, the Sham actual, pipple. The actual reason I have to keep rereading <laughs> chapters is because I it, I just like fall asleep and I don't really like, I don't remember things. Until yeah, you yeah, come yeah, to yeah, New York. Right? Yeah. It's, it's well, this is, this is it. Yeah, I'm going to have a couple of days to... to to get a lot of work done. I'm working really hard. I'm yeah. not resting. That's what I'm hearing right no now. No rest for the way. Yeah. You're no, away from your kids resting. and your wife. No, I'm just sad and missing them. Is what it is. Because you just got here. Don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> missing my family. Yeah. He's got a huge my, bag of edibles. He's like, uh huh. Yeah. My like Gillespie's in the next room with like fucking. <laughs> 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 The fifth column. Yeah, we started column. every time. Column. Yeah, just right now. Door have... closed. Hi, that door Michael. Closed. Now we haven't met. Okay. Michael. Have you met Camille? Yeah. Yes. Very yes, nice to spoke. meet you. How are you? Yes. Thanks for thanks for conversation. coming. Some intimate conversation. Very rewarding. It's gonna yeah. be very very rewarding. Pretend like we're meeting for the first time now. Now the thing that Sarah. What's up, baby? <laughs> okay, so we're, we're we're okay. We're back. We're back. The thing that Sarah right. did when uh, she published a twelve. A million word piece for the Atlantic. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I didn't read it. <laughs> Came up and I did a word count and I was like, I, you know, I don't have time for this. It's just, is there an audio book of this or not? <laughs> she sent us an email saying this is like the longest or the hardest that someone has worked to get on the fifth column. Yeah. As if the piece for the Atlantic. Well, can I point something out, Matt? Yeah. We still didn't invite her on. <laughs> She's in the other room drinking. Uh, and we said, do you just want to have her come in? Because we felt bad. And she was in the other room. And she looked a little sick. She'd been drinking a little bit. Too. <laughs> and so right, we would have invited you on, Sarah, either way. But, what, but, but, but wait a minute. Wait, this, we, got, we got piece, you. Yeah, yeah, we, we got you. There you go. There yeah, you go. we got to get the mic turned up. We got you now. There we go. Just want to say I've been sober for eleven years. Oh fuck, really? Oh my god, this is we ruined the, it tonight. I, you know the problem with sober people uh. <laughs> is when you behave irresponsibly around them, they remember, yeah. and the next morning they're like looking at you like, mm-hmm, yes, that the, was interesting. They are the like, problem. Oh, they yeah. are the they're the problem. That's right. Yeah. Friend of mine, a friend of yours too, uh. who I introduced you to, um, who lives uh, in Los Angeles. Name. Um, uh, Richie <laughs> um, is now sober. Is that right? Yes. He huh. went for a weekend in New Orleans. Uh-huh. Uh, explained to me that uh, this is defined so, sober. This like is, he's just not he's, drinking. No, he's done drinking. I, I think he's he's still he's, using other substances. No, no, he's done. He's no he's, substances. He's clean now. Huh. Uh, but he sh- he sent me today uh-huh. some pictures of the progression, which I can show you, which was him with selfies with some girl who knew a mutual friend of ours. Oh, who no. He randomly met in a bar. Yeah. And then one of uh, another friend of mine trying to hold him up. And he said uh, he woke up oh, and he yeah. had no shoes and he was uh, in New Orleans. No shoes. 
Uh, Wait, this is after he stopped drinking, or uh, no? This, 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 this no, precipitated. No. This Certainly precipitated not. the okay. end of drinking. Wow! So, so we have yeah. to support him, um, and I think he's a coward. He's a traitor, <laughs> and um, well, I hope he got some new shoes. That's I think he really, did. I yeah. think he did. He's he's, he's a tap dancer. Now. He's got <laughs> some tap good. shoes. Yeah, it's the pants when yeah. you know it's really bad. So you don't drink anymore. <laughs> no, that no. is the subject of things you've written about. That is a book that I wrote. Yes, yes. That's what I was that's what I was hinting. At. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell tell it's us about the blackout. book. See <laughs> oh. I, I was wondering what this book was about. <laughs> now you you're a listener of the fifth column. Yes. I know yeah. this. So you must have um I don't know, opinions about our drinking. You know what's funny? I almost... <laughs> Anything that starts, you know it's funny. It's never funny. It's going to be scolding. She's going to scold us right now. I told Matt yeah. that one of the reasons I fell in love with you guys is because it was like hanging out with my bar buddies. Yeah. But I didn't have to smell them. Yeah. 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 Now you're in a very small room right with now. us. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, yeah. but it reminds me of that great feeling yeah. of sitting around the bar with people. But I will say, over the years... So if you relapse, you fucking cannot blame us. Blame me 100%. <laughs> over the years, I've worried slightly. Yeah. And I thought about sending you guys a bunch of non-alcoholic drinks. Oh no. I and then would I was burn your house down. I know. Yeah. I know you I'd would. I find your house and I burn it down. But they're really good yeah. and I thought yeah. maybe you could drink them in between no. your drinks. No, that's... There was a story that you told Michael about being at Do an event. Do you think event. I'm a communist? No. <laughs> There's a story you told about being at an event uh-huh. and you were like everyone kept buying me drinks. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, and yeah. You, it was really I, I bad. I was concerned about you. It yeah. was concerning actually. And so I thought I was going to send you some bitters so uh-huh. that you could put that in seltzer in between your oh, drinks and yes. you could just spread it out a you little bit. You know, the bit. first time I ever interviewed, long time before he was a hate figure, um, he was a he was a hate figure on a smaller scale. The first time I interviewed Roger Stone, he told me that he would do that with people. Did you? Oh. When, when he would go to the uh, same bar every time and he would have somebody that he was trying to, you know, butter up and he would say, vodka, we drink vodka here. And they would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd get a vodka soda, vodka soda. And the the waiter knew him and would just pour him soda. And he would drink soda and the guy that he was with would get progressively drunker and drunker and not notice that that Roger Stone was not drinking. Shockingly, Roger Stone is a bit deceptive about these things. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, I I could not have done that that night because um, it was before we did a live show in Miami. A lot of very generous um, uh, listeners who do know a bit. So, you know, a thing or two about our alcohol con- consumption. They want to see it live. It's kind of performing. And then you turn around and it's then like there's sword a sword swallowing. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, it's I did all, all that yeah. uh, in the alley, but that was, yeah. that was what they called yeah. it. But yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Uh, Jesse single was there. Which did make $30. So that was good <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. It turned out to be euros. <laughs> I don't, I think that's worth less. Good. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was before than... Putin's war. Yeah. It was like Putin's price hike. <laughs> So anyway, but so you wrote a book about being a, a, a relentless Lousy drunk. Yeah. So maybe you're just bad at it. You don't do you. Oh, I am. Other, yeah. Bad. Yeah, I mean, it was a failure in many ways. How long were you a drunk? Well, I started drinking when I was about 11. That's my daughter's Oy. 11. That's impressive. Yeah. Thank Sorry. you. Yeah. 
Well, I used to steal beer from my mom. My mom was such a non-alcoholic that she would leave half cans of beer in the fridge. Mm. And then I learned at a very young age that I love the taste of beer, so I would go in and sneak them. <laughs> I would sneak the drinks, and then the drinks made me kind of feel like I was flying. Yeah. And then what I realized, what happens is... I you like f- that you're telling this like you're a kid. It felt yeah. like I was flying. It's <laughs> like great well, advertising. I'm bringing it back for myself. Yeah. I'm remembering. Well, what's, and then what's what the, happens what's the is... Brand? Pearl Light. Pearl, Pearl Light. Light. That's a regional beer, I assume. It's San Antonio-based oh, beer. It's wow. The, I... I hmm. It was uh, known for tasting like water, yeah. but but, <laughs> but when you're hydrating. 11, yes. <laughs> but I would drink. I loved it so much, and then I would drink a couple and put it back. But eventually, I got to the point where like I would drink too much down, so I'd have to drink the next beer. Oh, and oh. then so that I could put it down. And then wow. you had to go dispose of the beer can yeah. Yeah. in the alleyway in someone yeah. else's trash. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we used to do At a similar age thing. Eleven. Yeah, no, was, that was actually when like I was 12. seven, eight. <laughs> and then when I was eleven, what? when I was eleven, I looked like I was much older. Yeah. And um, I went to a party <laughs> with my cousin who was sixteen, oh, and then I got no. super wasted and I blacked out that Jeez. night. Wow. Which is wild that your daughter, your daughter is eleven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you're an adult, eleven looks so different yeah. than what it does when you're that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember, the eighties were the time of like. She does blow, but like just like she's a little bit. She's a little bumped. Yeah. Just the toot. Fine. Yeah, it's a little toot. But it seemed like at that time you just wanted to be an older person. You wanted yes. to be a teenager. Yes. And so the idea of hanging out with those older kids was so inc- I felt like I'd arrived. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I once interviewed the guy who, and this is relevant, the guy who we never did anything with this. It was very strange. It was when the Daily Beast it was when Newsweek was changing hands. So we went and did this and then it just kind of you know, everyone left and we lost. I still have a copy of it. I found the guy and he lived in Long Island, the guy who made the ad. Uh, where did you get this son? I learned this from watching you, dad. <laughs> I tracked him down. I went to his house and he was like a huge drug addict, by the way. And he was like, <laughs> we made that commercial in the ad agency in New York. And we were like Super blowing high. lines like off the, it was <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that's the thing is like, where do you get this stuff when you're a kid? It's always from your parents. And so my dad used to drink Coors. Not Coors Light. It was later when he was Coors yeah. Light. Coors. And we would steal them and then accumulate them over time. And then I would steal the ring, the uh, six-pack ring, yeah. put them back in the ring, and then put them in the ice. Uh, but there was a stream behind the house that had ice it was like icy stream, and then we'd make it's them cold. And were, boxcar children. Uh, yeah, no, I know. Honestly, this was this was disgusting. like seventeen fifty. This is good work. Yeah, no, and then, we, so you're and then like sharing this with all of your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dad, backwash. Yeah, no, no, they Brand, were unopened. That, oh. but we would just put them in and, and make them cold because they would be hidden outside. And then we uh-huh. just put them in the in the water. And uh, then I couldn't smoke his cigarettes though because he smoked Lucky Strikes. And there were no filter on them. And oh, yeah. Hell the yeah. little no. little pink lungs didn't like them so much. <laughs> Wait, how were you? Mm, about 12. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you guys Difference had between very me. different childhoods. Yeah, well, it's, it, it, my ch- we're childhood is similar. Is that I never quit, though. That's the difference <laughs> between you and I. I'm You're not, not a quitter. A quitter. No, <laughs> I keep going. I embrace it. Yeah. But you got a book advance out of it. At, at 11, we're, I was We're reading, saving a chair for you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading Bridge to Terabithia and like, climbing in forts and stuff. What and, is the what is the one where I have to go apologize to people? Is that step seven? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had a full-on Seinfeld moment where a friend of mine in L.A. was is now like super AA, and he was the worst, worst drunk drug addict I've ever met. He never apologized to me, and he was a complete asshole to me. Huh? We, yeah. we got drunks in this room over here. Yeah, no, so, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Let's just yeah. let's just put the put the bar on the door. <laughs> make sure no one comes in. Yeah, he didn't apologize to me, and I was mad. Yeah, yeah, I was mad. 
Still mad. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I see him, he'll be like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, no, no, you need step seven <laughs> to me. But like, maybe he doesn't remember it. Yeah, but that's the point. Yeah. He doesn't, he set me up one time in the weirdest way. And like, uh-huh. oh man, it was terrible. Mm. Yeah. I can't even tell that it was too bad. It's too traumatic. <laughs> but so you wrote the book and that was what year? 2015. Okay. And it was blackout. Mm-hmm. And you've been sober for how long now? Uh, it'll be 12 years in June. You've never in that slipped time? up. No. Never. Her slip up is listening to the fifth column. It yeah. kind of is. Yeah. Why? It feels a little bit, it feels a little we, bit dark and dangerous. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's dangerous for me. Because <laughs> well, also the way that you guys make fun of sober people sometimes hurts my feelings. Yeah. It's well, because you guys suck. <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking. I couldn't do it because I was actually we drinking. We don't do that collectively. No, 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 I don't do no. that. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you're just boring. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> if we go on a date, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're just going to, yeah. you know. Do you actually fucking... think that the only thing to do is drink? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that a rhetorical question? I don't understand. If, yeah, like what are you going to do, fucking origami? Yeah, we're going to go out and have a drink. We have dinner and then we drink with dinner because I don't understand how you get to the next stage without the drink. You don't need it. You don't you need soap? it. Yeah, but you must have. Okay. <laughs> I can't you talk to you about it that. fast. Yeah, I can't. Well, I can't talk to you about the stuff that you need the drinking for because it's a family program. <laughs> I mean, I for understand, up that, that, I understand that for most people, including yeah. especially of our generation, alcohol is a red carpet that rolls out to sex. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. What yeah. you need. Yeah. And so one of the main things that you think when you quit mm-hmm. is how am I going to date? How am I going to ever have sex? Yes. How am I going to do anything fun? Just pay um, for it. Is that what we're going to say? <laughs> no. oh, okay. Roofies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still Michael. working water. Yeah. But that's still, that's drugs. <laughs> Can't do that. But what you discover, and I don't mean uh-huh. to be totally corny. Yeah. But what you discover is that when you quit drinking, you actually build up the muscle and the internal infrastructure that you don't need drinking for anymore. Uh-oh. So you don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the children of oh, the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll try. No, I'm not going to try. No, you're not going to try. You're not going to try. But I do want to tell you one thing, which yeah. is the world expands infinitely when you stop drinking Mm. because for me it was a narrow aperture it was a very like i was only drink like i needed the drink i need to do this i need to be at the bar you were like seven though so that's like that's kind of different (laughs) yeah you should have been watching fucking thomas the tank engine and not like being in bars getting in fights i was 35 when i quit i was 35 when i quit and i thought my life was over yeah and you know and it wasn't and to be totally corny, it was in many ways just beginning. I mean, it, it's just like anything else. It's like leaving a marriage. It's like leaving a job. These things that your identity that mm. you think are completely define you. And then you define that you you have so much more. That life is so much more expansive than that. I don't have much to give. Though. I, I do, <laughs> you I think, do you, see you that. that. You see that? You see how shallow? Very shallow. I always yeah. wondered. Yeah, no, no, it's Now true. I've met you in person. Yes. I, I see it. It's amazingly disappointing. I, I understand. Know. Yeah, no, I'm so shallow. Can you smell my disappointment? Yes, I can s- smell the booze and the disappointment. And, you know, you said you, you, you smell, we smell like your old friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I can smell your disappointment. And I am. But you know what I think is really cool is that when I spend time with you guys in my airpods yes. and, mm-hmm. and on you know is that it reminds me that drinking really has nothing to do with it whether you guys drink or not 
Like it's really just about the connection and the ideas and the words and the brotherhood or the sisterhood or whatever it is of the ideas that we find together. Whether you find them at the bar, or the podcast, or whatever. Mm. And that's what you guys have given to but me. But is it is it true? And Matt said this. Um, is it true that the piece and tell us a bit about the piece you wrote for the Atlantic? You're in a piece of the Atlantic. Have time to read, uh, even what? though it was. I have drinking to do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I am not a quitter. I'm sorry, I waited till I was committed. 14 to start drinking, and not seven. <laughs> Therein lies your problem. I'm just saying we could have hung out, and I could have had yeah. some tips with yeah. the yes. course. <laughs> oh, you got to put this in the water with a rope around it. <laughs> that is how I talk to you. Eleven. Man, fuck you. <laughs> I'm trying to drink. Um, but that piece, and tell us a little about that piece. Please tell us that it, it is true that there was some fifth inspiration yeah. in that piece. Is that true? If, if not an explicit reference just, to... If it's not, just pretend it is. Yeah. I'm going to pretend yeah. that it is. <laughs> no, um, not... Yeah, um, I started listening to you guys in the summer of George Floyd. The summer yes. of our George Floyd. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, I've it's never... The year of our Lord. <laughs> been, I don't think I've ever been lonelier or more scared, and I didn't really have much of a community... And Where were you living? I, li- I live in Dallas, uh-huh. but I was living alone. And so because of the pandemic, that was all shut down. And um, I started listening to you guys. And it was the first time that I felt like I heard myself only. I will give this to you guys smarter. Mm-hmm. I really felt like you guys were knew more about this than I did. And it got my attention. And I started listening to you guys. And there, it was very early on. Like, there were a couple things. I, I was talking to Camille about this earlier. Like, I feel like you guys modeled for me a certain level of civil discord, like how to talk to people that you don't agree with. You guys have done it uh, in a couple of interviews. Yeah, we try to do it more, but it, it's it's not because we don't want to. It's because people don't want to do it. It's hard to get people on to, to, to talk to you when they're mm-hmm. on the other side. They think that because there's three of us, they're going to be savage by us. I, I understand. I understand mm-hmm. why that happens, but we'd like to do it more. But I didn't know how to do that, as, especially as a woman. I think I was... Um, really trying to unwind a lot of like female compliance. Like I would say yes to things I didn't really agree with. I didn't know how to disagree with people civilly. And so listening to you guys talk about, talk with people that you disagreed with, it was like, oh, you can actually have those conversations. It's very inspiring to me. But I really did, like the whole be brave call bullshit thing was something that I heard you guys say early on. And it sort of like sunk into me. And so during these years when, I mean, like, in my like last year, I thought I was going to leave journalism. I thought I was going to leave writing, and I actually applied to be a DoorDash delivery person. And mm. there was a waiting list. Mm. You didn't even get hired. Oh my god! No. So you're really not that smart. No, exactly. <laughs> nothing to do with it. it nothing to do with that. It's it's crush for DoorDash delivery people. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's probably pretty good money to be honest. In a lot of ways, it was very much like a breaking point, like with the drinking. Yeah. Like I was either going to have to live in this world and be uncomfortable and and say what I believed or I was going to have to quit everything. I mean, like, so do you live in that way in the sense that you go all the way up to the kind of maximum volume and then realize that it's time to bail out? And that's you do that with drinking. And then obviously, yeah, I think case, I push the envelope and everything. Yeah. And then say, don't we is, all? Yeah. I just kind of skate through life drinking. So. No, I mean, I think you're trying to see what you can get away with. Yeah. And yeah. I had a certain, I would say, like, like logical careerist attitude about my writing. And I was trying to push as much as I could. And who were you writing for mostly at this point? Well, so I, I, I come from a salon. I actually worked with uh, Steve Kornacki there. 
Yeah, Steve's out there. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah. I love Steve. Yeah, yeah I, I adore Steve. And um, he doesn't like vegetables. <laughs> He's also a horse guy. Did you know this? Yes. We're going to talk about, we're going to need to get him to talk about this. But Steve, by the way, the nicest man in journalism. The nicest Hands down. <laughs> nicest man I've probably ever met, Steve Kornacki. You can't dislike him. The vegetables thing is weird, though. He honestly. does not like vegetables? He will throw a vegetable in your face. No, yeah. Okay. No. So then he doesn't get Shard of nice lettuce? <laughs> no. <laughs> and he eats a Kadoba every night. Uh, or he used to. I don't know if he still does. He actually went home, by the way. Oh, fuck. Steve went home because he probably had to get Kadoba's probably closing. Kadoba's probably closing. <laughs> I love the fact that Kadoba is such a weird one, too. It's not It's not even like fucking Chipotle. No. It's like fewer of them. It's There's harder. Kadoba. Yeah. All right. Kadoba, Steve. And he would eat taco salad without any lettuce. Hmm. <laughs> I'm really sad. spilling the Steve That's, by the way, just words. a bowl of meat, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, I was at Salon, and then I, I quit when I when I wrote the story because Salon was kind of in a crisis. It's been a royal, the rolling crisis for about fifteen years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went through two layoffs there, and yeah. it was miserable. Um, but then I was a freelance writer, but I was starting to pull stories. Like like over the last few years, a lot of like my lane was really women and drinking and sex. Me too. And, <laughs> exactly yeah. my land. That's not what the Me Too movement is yeah. about, Michael. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's not what they meant. Yeah. I called it the Yes Ma'am movement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but because of that, I had so many opportunities to write about stories, and I just didn't want to. I mean, the, the I'll just use a really mundane example, but the Aziz Ansari story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would have been such an obvious thing for me to yeah. write about. There were also like really high profile blackout stories. I did write one about Brett Kavanaugh for yeah, the New York yeah. Times. Um, the idea being that it's very possible that he was in a blackout when that happened. And so he didn't remember it. So they're yeah. both telling the truth. Yeah, and gives you some credibility because you've written a book called Blackout. And yes. I've actually yes. literally yes. written the book yeah. and did the, yeah. you know, and, and, and I did a lot of journalism around that too. Did, but did you think that, I mean, you covered this stuff, you wrote about this stuff, you know a lot about it. The Aziz Ansari's story struck me as the kind of breaking point for a lot of people for me yeah. too. And a lot of friends of mine who were very gingerly, you yes. know, tiptoeing around it. And, and for me, people usually open up to me because they know that I don't really care and I yeah. say what I, what I think. And uh, they would kind of slowly do that. But the Aziz thing was at the moment where everyone was like, this has gotten crazy. And that story is has no relationship to the reality of what Me Too should be. It was on babe.net. Yes, which is now gone. It was. And it existed solely for that story. For that story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I should buy I, that domain. <laughs> I got some ideas for babe.net. Pretty sure it's already doing that. I'll check. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really was now. a pivot point, though, and it, and and it was a moment when I think a lot of people that had some, you know, maybe quiet reservations. Yeah, it started to bubble to the surface. Yeah, and I know amongst my friends, Not it was just kind of like, what? Yeah, like wh like what? What now? Really? He didn't get you red wine Instead of when white. you wanted white. Yeah. yeah, what is this? He's John Wayne Gacy. At that That's point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. What about Rose? Somewhere in the middle. He's just kind of a Merlot. A, yeah, Merlot. But that that's the thing is like, is that a generational thing too? Is that, I mean, because I think that most of the women that I talk to who are in, you know, my, you know, age range and that I grew up with and stuff thought most of it was a bit 
crazy. So I do think that that was a generational breaking point yeah. because I still think the younger ones were sort of like, no. Yeah, yeah, went, yeah, for sure. And and it was around the time that cat person uh, right. thing that was story in New huge, York, yeah. and it was all about this sort of like yeah. coercion. Yeah. And but yeah. anyway, uh, you know, Barry Weiss did write about that piece when she she had just gotten to the New York Times. She wrote a piece that was called "Has the Me Too Movement Gone Too Far?" Yeah, I remember seeing it. I remember being like, "Oh, thank God, somebody said it." And then I watched her get slammed. Yes, across every channel. Yes, of course. And I was like, "Oh, I need to shut up." Yeah, of course. That's the point. It's it exists for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the, the coordinated kind of attack is not coordinated in any sense that people get together and say, "This is the plan. You take this one. You take this one." It just kind of has this forward motion, and everyone starts. You know, it's such easy points. Like everybody on Twitter at that point was, you know, you know, one upping everybody else because you're getting these kind of virtue points, and then you just disappear, and the person who you're attacking is kind of permanently wounded by this stuff. I mean, Barry, you know, hers is a story that has a good ending, but that ending exists because she wrote that piece and a few other ones, right? Otherwise, I mean, she was very quietly, I knew Barry for 15 years because she was my editor at the Wall Street Journal when I used to write for them. She was my editor at Tablet when I used to write for them. And I, you know, said something that was in that New York Magazine article about her book party, which I didn't know I was on the record kind of sleazy thing to do but i said if you had told me 10 years ago five years ago that barry weiss would be the object of anybody's interest much less scorn i would have laughed at you and said this is this kind of quiet nerdy no she's not that type of person but you see the reaction to this stuff i mean i was driving into the city today and i turned on her podcast and i there was um I think they do on Friday. And my, my very dear friend, Nellie Bowles, who is uh, in a relationship with Barry and did a Friday thing with Katie Herzog. And it was quite funny and it was interesting to listen to. And, you know, when I knew Nellie, there was no politics in her at all. But she saw all of this stuff happening to Barry and it radicalizes people in this way. And it's been really interesting to see people that were otherwise not very political, and I didn't suspect would be political, being kind of pushed to the extreme. So when people talk about polarization, you know, things like the Me Too excesses create this polarization. The polarization doesn't come out of nowhere. People aren't just watching television and say, oh my God, all of a sudden I'm Sean Hannity. No, that's not how it works. It's like people that I know saw all these totally wild stories, the Aziz one, and then most people had an, had one You'd have the Aziz one, which was in the in the medium, in one in your personal life that you were like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And I had about five of those, too, that I was like, oh, that's not true. I know this All person. All accusations yeah. against you? I mean, what does the word accusation <laughs> mean, Matt? Uh, rumor? Is that an accusation? No, n- never for me. No, uh-huh. no. But never. I, over the next I'm years. very gentle, and I record everything, too. That was like 28. 28- 18, 20, yeah. 17, 17. 18, and there, over yeah. the next four years that just happened again and again and again Constantly. where every single story that would come out and I would think oh my god thank god somebody said it this is an amazing yes. piece then I would look online and see that person getting ripped up and yeah. I just didn't have the it's courage to do it I just it. Yeah. couldn't do it and you have to at some point you have to be like where does my value come from who do I want Like, and, and the whole point of that Atlantic article was not about like talk a little bit about the tell us the premise of the article i mean it, it was published a couple months ago two months ago a month and a half ago a month and a half ago headline start yeah what was the headline of the piece do you remember? i think it was they, they do different headlines but the one was the thing the things i'm afraid to write about yeah and the other one was let's not 
I'm not going to die in that ditch today. Yeah. <laughs> the idea yeah, that yeah. I used to have a, I used to have a, a conversational partner and we would have these conversations all the time and he'd be like, you should write about that. And then I'd be like, I'm not going to die in that, that ditch today. Yeah. And it was, but it was that how, how ditch. How you get to ditch instead of hill? <laughs> yeah. You die on the hill. Yeah. But you're dying in the ditch. It's, a, it's somebody who's a former drunk. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> People who don't drink die on hills. Yeah. <laughs> Drinkers die in ditches. <laughs> but they drag you down in the ditch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and, um, I mean, there's a sense in which that makes more sense. Um, it, yeah. Especially in these contexts. Cause it, I can imagine that it feels like well, you haven't really done anything. Like murder you anyways for having written the wrong ideas on paper and yeah. actually attaching your name to them. Yeah, you die but in a ditch. Camille, you're interesting. I die, I die on this. Yeah, well, the thing is, is yeah, that you have a different. Well, you you walk at, these issues. You <laughs> when Camille first said melanin force field to me, <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing I ever heard. He's like, you know, you can if I just say it, I have a melanin force field. I can I deflect this stuff. It's like a fucking Marvel movie. If they attack me, it just bounces off me. It's only gotten stronger in I, recent years. Yes, you have your melanin the force field reckoning is and turned into the Silver Surfer. Yes. <laughs> slightly darker hue. Yeah, but you can say things. Yeah. You're like there's a like probably five percent of the population that has those kind of out clauses. Yeah, that they can get out of it, and they don't. It doesn't really affect them in that way. You know the the honkies like us. <laughs> I mean, the Me Too stuff is one thing. I mean, don't fucking say a damn thing about the racial reckoning stuff if you yeah. want to survive another day you know i mean i don't think i, I mean, we talked about this in the, uh, this on the podcast but i mean i always think my views i mean they are i mean if you look at like polling and stuff incredibly boringly moderate mm -hmm. but we live amongst people particularly in journalism where the overton window has shifted so much that moderation is you know, kind of Mussolini-type fascism. So you have mm -hmm. to be very, very careful. The silence of violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that we think about what Barry was writing at the time. Like, right now, probably, <clears throat> to the extent that, of, to which anyone even thinks about Aziz Ansari's, like, you know, uh, Me Too problem, they're like, yeah, it was probably an overreach. That was the moment that it went too far. But her saying that was so traumatic <clears throat> that not, not only did she get dragged on Twitter... There was a SNL sketch. Yeah. yeah. About yeah. her. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's right. That's With right. Will Ferrell, yeah. The, the, the yeah. things God, darkened right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like, my God. At, at, at dinner, yeah. It's yeah. like a the dinner. musical number. It was yeah. great, actually. It was very interesting. And and I think that you see that now. The stuff, and we were talking about this beforehand, and forgive me for talking out of school, but um, so we've just seen the, uh, the transfer of power of the New York Times uh, from Dean, Dean Baquet to his successor, uh, Joseph Kahn. And, um, Chuck Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> Will you rock me? Um, baby, baby, when I look at you. Uh, it's a Prince song. <laughs> and in all of the articles about it, Washington Post, the New York Times, the New Yorker, everywhere, it says, well, one problem that the new editor will have is that there's a generational divide in the newsroom of the Times, yeah, yeah. where there's an activist group that are younger that have different ideas about words like objectivity. Why would anyone and lie about headlines and stuff? Why would someone like, make up horrible lies? Like oh my you god! When she said that, yes. it was so crazy. It was like she needs to be whipped. That was literally like the court of Stalin. How could I say like, that about there's, there's a famine in Ukraine? There's what you're talking. But no famine in Ukraine. Everybody's fat. No, 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 not true. And I was like, how the fuck are you guys kidding? Why? is this controversial it's everybody who works in a newsroom like this is that i just talked to somebody out here um at this party that that 
uh, is not somebody who is, you know, politically in our universe, uh, who said the same thing. You know, the teachers are afraid of the pupils. Like these, you hire people who are 22, 23, 24 years old, and you wait for them to spring the thing on you. And it's like the Joe Rogan stuff was not interesting because people are upset about Joe Rogan working at Spotify or being paid this exorbitant amount of money. It, the interesting thing about it was that there were these people that were very junior employees, you know, saying, okay, we have to get together here and band together and we have to unionize to get rid of somebody who's making us a lot of money. That's actually sustaining our jobs because we don't agree with him and that is bad. And, you know, for, for to, to be out in the universe and on this why I've retreated so much from Twitter is that it is the central universe of gaslighting. And people are like, you know, there's no such thing as, as cancel culture. I, I'm sorry, what? And, and if there is, I don't know what you want to call it. I know. That's the thing. It's is, just bizarre that people say these sorts of things. When we, what, what we do we mean? give you a thousand examples. Because you can't really define cancel culture, it yeah. gives you infinite ability to say that it does or doesn't exist. It's like arguing about whether or not the weather is good. It, yeah. it, it, there, what was so interesting to me when my story came out, it was really just about self-censorship. Yeah. It's really just yeah. about the fact that I watched a bunch of people get dragged on Twitter I was a careerist. I was trying to sell my book. I was trying yeah. to have a career. I muted myself. But the number one thing that people said was, A, how are you being silenced if you're writing in the Atlantic? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then B, there is no there, there is no cancel culture. I never even, I, I say cancel culture as in like, it's I don't know if you call it that. Yeah, I don't know if you, you call, call it justice. It. I just yeah. hate it. Yeah. I don't care what you call it. Yeah. There is a censorious, mm-hmm. like, climate we all feel it. We all know it. And the fun factory of Twitter, what to, there is like brand building based on the idea that it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. sure. Of course. That's yeah, maddening. I, it's, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, the, the, the weirdest one recently was when Louis hmm. won um, an Emmy. Not an Emmy, a Grammy. Grammy. The best comedy album. Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. As a mutual friend say of ours, his full who, name, yeah, who say his name, get your full name <laughs> yeah. in your yeah. mouth, yeah, yeah. Louis C.K. Um, as, can I watch a, while you do that? If, <laughs> full name, <laughs> you mind? As a friend of <laughs> ours who knows Louis very well, they're very close friends. Said, um, you know, one of the important things people don't point out is it was a secret ballot. So no, there is no cancel culture when there's a secret ballot. I mean, if there's a, if there's, if you have to do this in a room, there probably is. If everybody was sitting there and like, who do you vote for on this uh, record? You know, I don't think a lot of hands are going to be kind of going up Louis. But when it's a secret ballot, they do. But also it's like, okay, that means in, in serious, quote unquote, serious people were saying that this invalidates the idea of cancel culture. Hmm. To which I just wondered, did, Louis stuff that he shot for HBO go back onto HBO Max? No, it's been memory hold in a Stalinist way. Did the film that he made that I saw in a press preview come out? No, he spent his own money and other people's money too to a film called I Love You Dad or I Love You Daddy, mm-hmm. uh, which I really liked. And it was a kind of a weirdly badly timed homage to Woody Allen. <laughs> but it's a, it's an interesting film. And uh, no, that disappeared. I mean, this to making people's art disappear, and then you tell me because somebody in a secret ballot said, I liked his comedy record, that nothing happened to him? Come on now. But let me ask you this. What is the incentive? Why are people so adamant that it doesn't exist? What's the gain? Because it's better than, it's easier than arguing about it, right? Because defending some of these things 
is, which is precise. It's, it's kind of the same reason people talk about words being violence, because how do you shut down free speech? Everybody loves free speech. Everyone pretends to be, particularly in journalism, as, you know, I'm an avatar of free speech. I'm a great defender of free speech, but I don't defend violence. Nobody defends violence. So if you recalibrate words as violence, mm-hmm. you're only defending, you know, preventing people from killing themselves, being killed. You know, if you say this death threats, this is my favorite one. I, I, I'm waiting for somebody on Twitter to get killed. Nobody has. It's just thank God. But it's death threats, death threats, death threats. Right. So when you make it that, you know, this is violence and it's an emergency, then you can actually impose upon speech and say that free speech doesn't matter. When you have something like, canceling some somebody like 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 louis is that rather than debate about you know do you think it's okay that somebody's art is thrown into the incinerator it's easier to just say that louis ck was never canceled because he sells out madison square garden yes he rents it out with his own money literally with his own money because before he was canceled he made a lot of money right he's the successful guy people like his product the fact that you can't get his product on hbo is not because people don't want to watch it because as evidenced by his shows at Madison yeah. Square Garden, people want to watch this shit. It's not as if, you know, HBO is reacting to a market, right? That's not true at all. They're reacting to a very, very small number of people that they are concerned about in the way that, you know, you can kind of praise Spotify for saying fuck you to their own employees because they're not representative of the, you know, why do 10 million people listen to Joe Rogan and there's 75 people, you know, at global Spotify that say we should get rid of this guy? I mean, you do the math. I mean... But they usually collapse to one and not the other. And so I think that when when there is a, you know, idea of like this doesn't there's a book actually that came out in 1994, 95 called The Myth of Political Correctness. So when it was really crazy and in, in going on in the university, it's like this is not new. You deny that it exists. I mean, if you're if you're a Nazi, you hope that Jews got killed because you're a Nazi, but you don't like the the shit that you get from the Holocaust because you, you deny it happened, right? It's like I deny the thing that I wished happened. That's the funny thing about neo Nazis. But it's too bad for us to actually argue about this. We, we it's this never. It's not even true. So getting into that thing, it's not even true, makes us debate the truth of it. And I have been in so many debates about the truth of it that I've stopped debating about the the actual cases. Right. So they're they're winning in some Although sense. the truth of it debate is gen- there's just sleight of hand because it's yeah. it's not just that it doesn't exist. It's to the extent it does exist. It's just minorities finally having their opportunity exactly right. to have it, a voice. Yes. And to the extent you're uncomfortable it's ju- as you said, with it's any justice. of what's happening yeah, now, yeah, yeah. It's just the problem is you. Yeah. 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 So it's not <laughs> cancel culture, it's we're canceling you because you're a racist. Yeah. It sounds like which, you agree with it. <laughs> yeah. This is justice, it's happening and it. you just hate justice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm loving it. You're finally accountable. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One of the destabilizing <laughs> What, did you just like, hum the McDonald's theme song? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. right. it's, Yeah, it's actually written by Pusha T. That's not true. Ba-da-pa-pa-pa. Totally true. Yeah, he did that. Wow. Yeah. It, the very famous story as well, because he only made a couple hundred thousand dollars doing it. And it's, it's, it's global. A global. That's a global thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. So he recently did another thing for Hardee's or something. And he yeah. took them for all their work. Why do you think that happened to Pusha T? Popular. Do you exactly. think that would have happened to me? Yeah. Mm-mm. yeah. I would have gotten 20 million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you would ask for it, maybe. Because <laughs> I, I read Sheryl Sandberg's book and I will fucking lean in. Yeah. Yeah. See, sophisticated dope dealer. Not so good on the marketing deals. Just saying. But yeah. so people said, how did you even get this into the Atlantic? Being in the Atlantic means that something like this isn't even real, right? Well, yeah. The idea is that, um, uh, you know, 
if, if you're in the Atlantic and you're getting paid big bucks, which by the way, I got, it's, I mean, yeah. I got paid $300 yeah, for yeah, that yeah, 12 yeah. million word yeah, piece. Yeah. Um, cause the pay scale for the internet is just wretched. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. But, um, you know, the idea that Probably I'm the only best people, right? These I mean, days. <laughs> but, but the whole point of the story was all, I mean, there are so many other stories I could have written. I mean, I don't mean to be like tooting my own horn, but in 2015, I had a best-selling book. People wanted me to write about this topic, yeah. and I was pulling my stories. I was killing my stories because I was so concerned, which, I mean, now I look back and it's like, why, you know, why didn't I? I just, but I was scared. I can't even really explain it. Mm. I think one of the destabilizing things over the last years has been watching other journalists try to convince me that it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was what was so important about listening to you guys was that I could hear the voice of what I imagine real journalists to be. And you guys were actually questioning, thinking, challenging. I was like, yes, yes. And this is the part that I write in the Atlantic piece. I talk about listening to podcasts and I talk about sitting in my empty kitchen and hitting the table and saying exactly mm-hmm. or pausing it and actually having conversations. Like I would add my own like, yes, and another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's you guys. Only we yeah. get so, more hand so to the, the, the paragraph in the, you wanted to hear the part that was about you. That's the part that's about you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're here. Now you can actually respond to us. But it's not only like that. What I want to hear. Dreams do come true. What I want to hear is. This is a dream for <laughs> is what the fuck comes next so like you set this up like i haven't um felt like i could write about and talk about what i want to which is a horrific thing for a journalist to grapple with okay yeah, yeah. so let's draw a line there a wall there what comes after like fucking now that you're declared your braveness yeah. how are you going to call bullshit what comes what comes next? Well, her new First, book, I'm Return to the Bell Curve, I think. <laughs> Good God. Good God. Yeah. Breitbart's Dallas correspondent. <laughs> there were so many tweets that were like, what, what uh, crime? Uh, like, how did you need Charles Murray's email? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't read Camille's the piece, but it. it's like it's like a charming, lovely piece. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not. Really nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I think the first thing I'm going to do is uh, I'm hoping to go on the Fifth Column Patreon podcast. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. too late. That's that's the uh, Substack now. Yeah. yeah. So you get oh, on that. No! Yeah, yeah. Maybe one yeah. more. Yeah, Maybe you have one to more. you have to pay for that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I am working on my second memoir and I think I am I'm really hoping this will free me up. That one's about dating and singlehood in my 40s. Um but the other very Camille exciting thing <laughs> I I met my wife when I was 16. I yeah, know no. nothing about yeah. dating. Uh-huh. Actually, yeah. the, the whole, the prospect of that is like terrifying. Well, this will be a good how to. This I will don't teach need, you don't how know. to be a single woman <laughs> in your 40s. Well, yeah, that, that is, might be something. Have a full sex life and yeah. A, yeah. a loving relationship with many Ooh. people that are not your husband. You're feeling mm-hmm. all sorts of weird sensations. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about prospect. <laughs> It's yeah. good. Finally yeah. get to find out. Well, yeah. Man, all this time, the mystery. <laughs> but I am doing something very exciting with somebody that you guys know. Who, who's oh, that? Yeah. Can you tell? Yes. Yes. Um, I am also launching a podcast with Nancy Rollins. Oh, look at that. Oh, okay. Wow. Huh. What's this going to be about? Race realism? What is the... <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Another one? Pivot. Yeah. Pivot. Guess what? Guess what, Nancy? <laughs> I've been measuring From people's Vigar, skulls and I have American ideas. Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast you've been yeah, waiting yeah, for yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the brand is a little smaller. They're telling the truth. I don't know. I just measured it with the calipers. 
free calipers for everybody. Uh, I met Nancy because I wrote to y'all, um, and she contacted me. And we started talking. Was she intercepting our mail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know how it happened either. Yeah. But suddenly I was on the phone with Nancy Robinson. That's, this is a mystery to us too. Yeah. And change your password. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. The new password is interloper. Yeah. <laughs> but we started talking and we realized that we wanted to just basically talk for about a thousand hours. Like yeah. we had so many things in common and that we wanted to discuss about pop culture and m- me too and women and men and so, uh, everything. And so we're, we've done three, uh, podcasts already and we're launching our new podcast on Substack Ooh, and it's that. called smoke them if you got them. Look at that. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a ladies podcast for ladies only. Oh, if you're a man, that's, if you're, that's exactly don't wrong. even try. That's exactly <laughs> it wrong. Is for, don't listen to anything. If you want to listen to it, identify say. as a woman just for the afternoon <laughs> and you can download it. Otherwise, it's for men, uh-uh. women, yeah. and anything yeah. in between. But for, for the la- <laughs> one final thing about this there, by the way, is that when someone, when someone tells you, that these feelings that you had back in the day that were like, I can't write about this stuff. And they're saying that you're crazy, that you're just imagining these things. It is amazing that when you talk about this topic, right, and say, well, I don't feel comfortable writing about X, that people feel comfortable telling you that you're a fucking batty, crazy woman, right? But that's usually not the case when women feel other things. They're overwhelmed by a feeling that might not be tethered with reality or facts. And that is usually, you know, glorified and you get the front page of a newspaper or something. I think it's amazing that when you say, I just have a feeling that I can't write about this stuff. People say that's not true. And you have some sort of mental illness. Well, and it's also (laughs) like, why would you want to write about that? Suddenly we don't care about women's voices. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, or, you know, even if it was paranoia, even if it was, I mean, a lot of that stuff is usually kind of glorified in the sense that, like, the culture is making you paranoid. Mm. We're going to kind of allow you to write about this stuff and help you and, you know, be the midwife for these ideas, except for when it's these ideas. You know, if you have that feeling, you know, back in 2015, 16, 17, or the George Floyd moment or something, you want to write about it. And the fact that people are saying that to you now, like other journalists saying, well, you can write about it. You're just being sensitive. It's amazing that you're being called sensitive then. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and this happens every time I try to write about one of these other, like if I, if I write about women and sex, like drinking and sex, or I write, I write about blackout and sex. And it's kind of like, we actually don't want your voice on that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, we do less women's voices now. Yeah. And, you know, but, but obviously people just, are very selective about when they want to hear because because when you talk about blackout and sex that makes some complicated narratives there's there's some very complicated responsibility issues there Mm. and the question of the women's agency i mean part of my thing is that you know if women if men are responsible for what happens then women should be responsible for what happens yes i think that's right right but that has been totally pushed aside because I, I hear this all the time. Men, she was so drunk in this way. Can there ever be a one uh, an example where the man is too drunk? Yes, I actually talked to somebody where uh, a woman she had had sex with a guy in a blackout, and he was had filed a Title Nine 
oh. case against her. I can her. do that? Did he win? Do I have to be in college for that? Yes, I'll did, talk to you after. Did, did he win? Did he win that case? I actually don't know how it worked out, oh. but um, it was. it's very unusual, though. Hmm. It's very, very unusual for a man to file suit, but they certainly can. No, I mean, I, I mean in the sense of, that, of that women yeah, exactly. make decisions. Oh, yeah. Right? That is, you know, clouded by alcohol. And this is talked about quite a bit. Are, Men are we also, talk about Amber Heard? I feel like we're working on Yeah, we're going to get that. to that because I want to get to Camille, who's, very important. who's, who's hot under the collar about Johnny it's Depp. A, it's an important Oh, my story. God. It's been a really intense yeah. trial. See? <laughs> See? Oh, yeah. No. You guys exactly. aren't even paying attention. Yeah, I am paying attention. That's what I'm talking about. No, I, the only thing, and we'll get to it. I just want to say one final thing is that, is that when, you know, it's about when, when somebody consents to something, you often have a narrative that somebody's too drunk to consent to something. It's a very hard thing in the moment to determine whether somebody's too drunk to consent to something. In that is a kind of a one way street, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. It men is. Do it some is. And s- silly things when they're drunk too. And also the entire idea the of too drunk to consent is too much. The idea of too drunk to consent is a, is a fairly recent construct. Yeah. And it's a fairly recent conversation. And it's one that kids themselves, when I would go and talk to kids on college campuses, are completely confused about. Yeah. And the idea that you would actually just know is insane. Yeah. Particularly and, when you're in a very similar state. It, well, exactly. The drunker yeah. you are, the less aware you are. And then, of course, if you know anything about blackout, you know that people don't necessarily look like they're in a blackout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, <laughs> I literally, I can't remember. Man, I could tell you a story. I, Oh Jeez. fuck! When we're in LA, yeah, I don't remember anything. Same friend with the shoes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember anything. Yeah, I truly don't remember I, after a certain point right, with the yeah. shoes. Yeah. yeah, apparently we got in a, an Uber that was a Bentley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that? Are you just making that up? No, it's a true, it's a true story. He remembers. <laughs> oh yeah, he yeah, does. He lost remember. the shoes, but he remembers <laughs> he that remember. story. Yeah, yeah. It's great, it's great night. I think I tried to get into a particular club at some point. Yeah, it was a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped that and made sure that didn't happen. Don't remember anything. Yeah, literally nothing. Night. So there's anyway. a book. It's called Blackout. It's <laughs> yeah. out in 2015. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of science that might be interesting to you. Because does it, it tell me to... how to deal with it after the fact? Yes. Yeah. You so okay. many things. It tells yeah. you why it's happening. It tells yeah. you because you know only fifty percent of people black out. Is that right? Yeah, it's fifty yeah. percent. It's genetically determined. Oh, oh. I mean, and uh, your genetics. Oops, oops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Irish Finnish. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh god. Yeah. That's huh. Jesus. The fact that I committed suicide so Good far. Lord. Yeah. That's the worst combination I've ever heard. Thank you. Good lord. <laughs> seven. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> you were so. drinking when you were seven. That makes sense now. Um, yeah. Related journalism thing. Twitter bans climate change propaganda ads as wow. deniers target platforms. Deniers? Have you seen that? No. What deniers. a headline. Twitter bans climate change propaganda ads as deniers target platform. And it's the title of a piece in the Washington Post. We talk about things that we're afraid to write about and concerns about cancel culture and the monoculture and the broader media universe ecosystem. Are things changing for the better or for the worse? Do you have a sensibility that it's kind of more okay to do this now? Or is I think the fact that I did publish that in the Atlantic mm-hmm. suggests that things are changing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that two years ago I could have. Did you have a feeling that this was the moment to... Yes. To, you did. Very much. Yeah. I had a conversation. I had been having a conversation with another writer friend of mine for about two years. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like, should we do this? No, no, no. And yeah. we kept trying to build each other up. What is Richard Spencer like? Oh, my <laughs> God. How did you know? It's a hard time. <laughs> having a hard time, actually. It's very sweet in person. Uh, yeah. By the way... Natalie dressed. Totally changed his politics. Did he? Uh, yeah. 
Brenny Brown. Now? I swear to God, I was. This is. I. Uh, you're not going to believe me, but I got. I got there in a. I think it was a Michael Tracy tweet. Some crazy thing about how nothing is happening in uh, Ukraine. It's all mirrors, um, and it's all AI or something. Um, but I saw a Richard Spencer response to it, and he's like, he has the NATO logo in his Twitter handle, what? and he's like, it's bizarre. I was like going through. I was like, is this the same dude? And uh, it is the same dude. And yeah. I, I wanted to send him a message and say, too late, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Sieg Heil thing in, in, in D.C. in 2016 was pretty bad. Sorry. <laughs> you know, the Nazi thing's kind of hard to outrun. To believe in forgiveness. Yeah, but Amber, Amber Heard, you're so obsessed with this trial, Camille, that I want to give you the floor. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed, <laughs> but I'm not actually committed to this. Like I've, I've watched a little bit of the trial little and I've bit. watched a bunch of clips online Yeah, and I'm, I'm just struck by how genuinely complicated things seem at a minimum or just the quality of Johnny Depp's legal team and you the degree to which, I mean, I do, I do. You, 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 you <laughs> like, think that seems, he is like Tina you believe the actor. and she is Ike. She, yeah. Yeah. That's what you think. Yeah. Okay. Kind of sounds right. like she beat him up. Yep. Which that's a thing that can happen. Can happen, I've right? Been, I've been beating. He's a little fella. Right? He's not. Am big. I wrong about this? No, I've been attacked before. <laughs> I think I just got into a ball. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to touch anybody. Okay, I think that this trial is fascinating. I was, I was of, I sort of was like, oh, I'm disgusted that it's on television, and then I started watching it, and I was no, like, yeah, I yeah, cannot no, stop. Yeah. I have watched. Yeah. I'm disgusted. It's not on no, every it's, channel. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. Honestly, but they also they want this to be on every channel. They yeah. they both want this. It's well, really, at least one of them does. It's the innocent really party, amazing because. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> First of all, you're hearing more about Johnny Depp and his childhood mm-hmm, than yeah. you ever have. And the details of it are really poignant. Mm-hmm. The fact, I'm so obsessed with the fact that he talks about his abusive mother, but his, one of his first tattoos was of her, Betty mm-hmm. Sue. Mm-hmm. It's on his arm. I mean, this is sort of Stockholm syndrome-y, you know? Or he's lying. Or he's lying. That's yeah. also true. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a big believer in Freud's repetition compulsion. And I believe that you just get pulled back into the past again and again That's and it. again. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here he is with, you know, having married his mom. Um, I his think. His mom's super hot, by the way. She is beautiful. She is <laughs> so say, beautiful. Gotta say. Is hot she mom. hot enough that you would put up with a poop in your bed? Whose poop? <laughs> if it was the dog's? <laughs> Yeah, it was an accident. She cuts my <laughs> finger off. Fine. What are we doing later? Um, there's, I have a, there's a, yeah, I think I'd probably put up with a lot with that. But, but I mean, have you guys put yeah, any attention poop? at Moynihan Welch? Have you guys heard the audio of her talking to him yeah. about attacking him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where he's he's confronting her. Yeah. Like, you you punched me. I didn't punch you. I hit yeah. you. By the way, when someone says that to you, you know you're being recorded. And, and, and Well, no, no. I, I don't even know <laughs> that you... punched me, didn't you? Yeah. Why would you be saying that? You know I just punched you. Because I'm recording you. Yeah. So Camille, Not very clever, that one. I think you're right about her bullying and her abusiveness. However, I think the Johnny side is darker and it's going to come out over the next few weeks Mm -hmm. because of his blackout drinking, because of his uncontrollable anger. I think you are going to see, I mean, the the therapist said that there was mutual abuse and I think you're going to see things that he doesn't remember. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't, she doesn't talk about that at least in the recordings that we heard in court, which is perhaps what you would expect since this is the evidence that he's, yeah, forward. blackout Johnny's not recording but it's just, stuff. It's just really odd that, you know, he, he says his challenge to her <laughs> is along the lines of, you know, you, you resorted to violence there. 
And he says, yeah, well, and she says in response, well, yeah, and you didn't. So, yeah, good for you. Lucky you. And then she proceeds to call him a bitch mm-hmm. for complaining about getting hit. I'm very interested in this, if this will open up a conversation about the abuse of men by women, I, which is definitely been a taboo. Not, but it totally should. <laughs> but it's been a taboo subject for yeah. decades. Now, I, I have. I'm not saying it. It, it should because mm-hmm. something has happened to me, and this is the culture. Pretty excited about this it. is the culture. Yeah. No, but this is the culture. I, I feel like I have to defend my machismo and, and make it clear. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly yeah, yeah. right. That yeah. I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. Ain't no woman gonna beat me. But yeah. but no, seriously, like this is a problem like that can happen in a relationship. A guy who is a good guy who gets like beaten up and put into a corner and pushed nobody puts and Johnny pushed into and a corner. You got to be a block that shit. Huh? Got to be the, able to block that shit. It's still, you can block, you can block it, but but it's not about. And then she throws a glass at you and nearly cuts your finger off. You like, can block, you really can block it. You know, you don't get to stay on my private island anymore. Lady. Yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. you know, you do the Ken Norton crab crab defense, yeah. right? And you can block it, but, you know, you can't fight back. That's the thing. Yeah. You just got to get down and keep the Ken Norton crab defense so, up. So this is the Moynihan concern. So are you optimistic? I can't punch her in the face. <laughs> God damn it. Are you optimistic that this that this might, in fact, lead to people asking more thoughtful questions about this and having broader I conversations about? would like to see that. And I also think in terms of, like, the Will Smith and Jada Smith mm-hmm. story. I mean, you know, this mm-hmm. idea. Pinkett Smith. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, Pinkett yeah. Smith. I'm not going to cross don't owe her. Me. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first warning sign there, oh boy. She ain't taking your name. <laughs> What's up, Pinkett? That's, that's a real it's thing. It's interesting that these that video is amazing. stories are coming up at a potential so pivot point in Me Too. I mean, would this, because one of the things that Me Too did, whether intentionally or not, was this idea that you believe all women or believe women about everything, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is patently ridiculous because why would you believe everybody about everything ever? An entire percent of the population it's is insane. always telling the truth. But this yeah. is this insane. Is, all of these movements do precisely the same thing. They reduce they reduce these victimized populations to to these these people who need to be rescued, who can't possibly do wrong because all they are is people who are set upon and who are disadvantaged. Yeah. Right, which is so condescending and flattening. Yeah. And so maybe and that, one I, of I the best things that could happen to the Me Too movement or to women's stories is to have some villains. Yeah. I mean, this huh. is what women talk about all the time. We want we want complicated, unlikable characters. Well, guess what? We've got two. Jada Pinkett Smith and Amber Heard. They're deeply unlikable and they're oh, wow. real. You, you just took a shot at Jada. Yeah, that's, mm. that's about right. That's about right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds all right. Yeah, no, that's that's. I mean, so so it's possible. The full range of humanity. They could be scoundrels. They could be wonderful, remarkable. They can be victimized. All of those things are possible. All of those things are possible in a human life, and it's it's really interesting to me that I've been waiting for somebody to come out and defend Amber Heard. I'm not hearing it. Mm. Uh, that's true. Is she still Actually, representing the ACLU, like one of their ambassadors against women's voices or something? Yeah, Yeah. 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 Is she still? I mean, they're just quietly dropping her. Yeah. 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 I think that, yeah, because that was like 2018, that thing that you sent, right? Yeah. <laughs> women's women's voice. Yeah. An actress yeah. and ambassador yeah. yes. for women's voices. Yeah, it was her, yeah. Ava Perone, oh Ava Braun. God. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. There were some, there were some others. Yeah. Nancy made the point, and when we talked about this in our podcast, that like, and it's so funny that she was the ambassador for women's voices, and she so clearly did not write that piece. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like her voice is not being used at all. In yeah, that it sounded like was, a man. It, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that writing is good. It sounded like a man wrote that. Mm-hmm. Dripping with testosterone. That's a testosterone piece. <laughs> the thing that gave away was like the, the line, bitches be crazy. 
That's the line that's in there. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, that doesn't yeah. seem like Amber Heard. <laughs> that doesn't seem like the lady from Aquaman. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, that's what I said in the Patreon. I was like, I don't, what has she been in? She's been an Aquaman, Aquaman, right? Yeah. She was in a very, very, very bad um, adaptation of Martin Amos's book, London Fields, which was like notoriously horrible and I think has like a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wait, didn't yeah. she get sued over that, dude? Yeah, she did. Yeah. Did she? Why, yeah. did you, why did she get sued? She punched Martin Amos in the face. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> no, actually. she laughed or... Yeah, there it... was some weird thing that she got sued over. But but yeah, she played uh, Nicholas Six. The, uh, the Chanteuse, uh, main character of that book, which is hmm. one of the greatest novels ever written. It's is that absolutely right? fantastic and almost perfect. Yeah. Huh. I love it so much. But, uh, I never watched the film version because his books are very famously difficult to film. Hmm. And that is, uh, apparently proof of that. So, hmm. so yeah. Anyway. Um, we're at a, t- we're at about two. Yeah. yeah. We should, should, we, should we roll? Should, probably roll. should we roll out party, and have yeah. a couple of, right couple of drinks out, out, outside? Well, I mean, I've, I've got so much work to do while I'm oh, here. Fuck so off, I man. should. No, probably you just have a apartment. fucking drink. Your apartment? You don't have an apartment here. Uh, hotel. <laughs> you lie. You like Amber Heard. You're gonna lie about everything. Hey, right. yeah. well, this has been fun. It's, it's been good. fun. Um, thank, you for, thank you, thank you, thank you guys for letting me come. Thank on. you for joining. Yes. I feel like the great. it's like when Bruce Springsteen pulled. Courtney Cox yes, out of the that's right. out of the audience. Did the eighties dance? Did, did the dance. Yes, that's, that's right. been me yeah, this whole yeah, time. Yeah. Hey, baby. <laughs> then I just pulled you up right then. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Clarence. Hello. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad that Camille could be your Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and you could be our curtain Courtney Cox. <laughs> that's a great song, by the yeah. way. I'm on fire is one of the best songs that he yeah. could name. That's that is the creepiest song, and I'm so what? against that song. Why? I'm on fire. Is it rape so culture? It's a stab. Little girl, is your daddy home? Oh, it's a yes. stabby it's song. So creepy. Yeah. Is it? Or did he dance, go and leave you all alone? Nice. So creepy. Did he go? I got a bad you're desire. You're creeping me out right now. How do you know? But you're presuming. I've got a bad desire. But you're presuming <laughs> that the voice. In that song is over eighteen or nineteen or maybe I'm the person is fifteen. It's Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> it's definitely not. It is definitely that's a, that is a lie. Yeah, that yeah. is. And it's, he hangs out with Obama. He is a, a man of character. Hey, little. I never thought about that. Actually. It's it's such gross. a beautiful you know song, but be, I've never. That's a killer. He like, could it's be remembering. He could be remembering an experience he had when he was seventeen. Yeah, and she that's was right. Fifteen or sixteen or something. But why Tell would he call now, her little girl okay? if he was a little boy? Exactly. Yeah. Tell me now, it's baby. So, is he good to you? Can he do, do the to you the Ooh, her things dad? that I do? Her mm-hmm. dad? Mm-hmm. No, not her dad. I, I can, can take, take you higher. higher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you have your passport? <laughs> Did you get your shots? I'm taking you to Asbury Let's talk Park. About more creepy songs. Yeah. Like this. yeah, this is good. That's funny. Even you know when what? I was He's... 11, I was like, something's really weird about this name. Always thought that. Yeah. Always thought that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I listened to that when I was 11. I was like, man, I want to fuck Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I was like, hey, Bruce, my daddy ain't home. You driving around back? Okay. I like that. Ooh, wow. That was a, wow. We just ended that on a different note. Okay. Yeah. Bye. 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 We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Hawks.